Good afternoon, Luchula residents. Your local weather is cloudy with a chance of pitfalls. The fish are biting and the bugs are making blathers uneasy. And would someone stop hitting Hazel with their net? That's your local on the fours, and this is the Negative World Podcast. podcast about video games by the Nintendo fans at NegativeWorld.org. This is episode 50, and we are the new 40. This episode is being recorded on Saturday, June 29th, 2013. I'm your host, Stephen, or as I'm known on the boards, Dr. Finkelstein. And I'm pleased to present my other half, Joe, a.k.a. Ninsage. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Joe. How's it going? It's going just fine. It's uh, We've had a, a small break on the podcast uh, lately because we... We knocked out those E3 ones, and now we've kind of taken a break, and we're we're back, man. Mm-hmm. Have you recovered back. from the E3 extravaganza? I think so. I think so. Mentally, emotionally, maybe not physically. My <laughs> body is no longer ready. Well, for uh, but it's getting there. For two guys who sat at the computers and experienced the E3, um, yep, it was very taxing uh, physically. I know that. Yep. So especially. Uh, Especially trying to uh, find a stream that wasn't hiccuping so much. See, I found... I don't know if you watched live. Or... No, I didn't. I watched it uh, about 5 p.m. that day. Yeah, they're, they're, everything was fine by then. I did have one issue, and I don't recall exactly what segment it was under, but the screen kind of froze and the audio kept going, and I was like, no, 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 no. So I tried fiddling with it, and I got it to work uh, pretty quickly. So it might have been just a, a packet error of some kind. But... Last packet error. Oh, yeah. Well, now we have, let's see, it's the 29th, so we have uh, 50 weeks until the next E3-ish. So, uh, from Time to on, start revving up that hype train. Yeah, it's like politics, you know? Yeah, let's uh, gotta start making predictions now. Yeah, what's Reggie gonna do? He better not fail us. We, you two, unveiled next year, because they're changing course. <laughs> nah, <laughs> Once again, they're gonna go back to the lunchbox design. Anyway, so with the the big 50th episode, which isn't really that big, but it is a, a pretty cool thing that we got here, I'd say, huh? 50 episodes of, you know, we started in 2011, I believe. All right, so uh, what are we really doing? All right, what we're really doing is uh, we're going to do some now playing, um, as usual. We have a brief trivia segment um, mixed in there to kind of make it a little more fun for the fans. Uh, right. And, and if it goes well, if people like it, we might continue, maybe do more of it or uh, more trivia type stuff periodically just to kind of have a little fun. And then finally, uh, we're going to discuss what software we think would best round out our Nintendo gaming for the the coming years. So it's not really a complaint segment or anything, but, you know, you're looking at your... your it's well, a hope segment. Yeah, I mean, my, my collection isn't that big on the Wii U yet, and I know there's a lot of great games coming, E3 proved that, but... You know, what else would I like to see before we move on to the next system and everything? So, uh, w- with that and 3DS, um, mm-hmm. it's all fair game. I-, I mean, if you if you want, you can go Virtual Boy, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to release anymore. Boy. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be any more games for that. Probably not. No. But 
Real quick, though, uh, before we get into that, so let me preface it with uh, a little discussion about gaming apparel, because I went to get some lunch today, and somebody complimented me on my shirt. And my shirt... What what shirt were you wearing? uh, You know, there's an actual name for it. I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's called 8-Bit Vendetta, and it is a duck in a forest playing duck hunt, trying to shoot the dog, and... Oh, no. And and the reason that this is funny to me is because, uh, which by the way, I'll put you know a picture of it in the enhanced podcast probably, and uh, and links in the show notes and everything. So obviously, you know, visuals don't really translate on an audio podcast. I'm looking at it now. It's pretty, it's pretty hilarious. But yeah, so he's the best part of this, and the reason I actually bought this one is because he's holding it up to the glass of the TV, which is what <laughs> right. we all used to do when we when we were growing up. And so uh-huh. I was like, I really empathize with that duck, so I had to buy this. But I wanted to uh, to just talk gaming apparel for a minute because, like many years ago, you really couldn't find gaming shirts anywhere. I mean, mm. you'd have to go to like Hot Topic at best. But yeah. gaming shirts just were non-existent. And I've seen some, you know, out at Kohl's or other department type stores. But the best way to get stuff like that is still the internet. And mm. there's been a whole boom of these websites where they're just dedicated to people creating designs, which is great because. You can buy all these really obscure, random shirts based on Nintendo, Doctor Who, Lost, uh, Star Wars, you know, all these kind of... Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles especially, yeah. And uh, so it really allows you to kind of let your geek uh, flag fly. And so, I don't know, I just, I've bought so many over the years, I've realized that I wanted to ask you if you have bought any. I mean, do you you own any gaming shirts, Nintendo shirts? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I own quite a few. Uh, the funny thing is, I think it's just because among the people that I do hang out with in my real life, I have such a reputation as a gamer that I don't know that I've bought any of them. I think they've all been gifts. They've made their way. Uh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, a lot of them are just kind of like the standard, you know, like Mario in a Tanuki suit hitting a question mark block and that sort of thing. Um, like but the, some of them, yeah. Like, like the same kind of graphics as are in the games, or? Uh, yeah, pretty much, or like the accompanying art kind of thing that, that went with the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like the same images we've all seen a million times, but, uh, some of them are still really kind of classy shirts. I, I, I like them, but, uh, the, the more, the more interesting ones were the ones that were ordered from the, you know, the specialty internet sites that you mentioned, um. One of them that is probably my favorite is uh, it is a turtle with a with a with glasses on, so he's very stately, and he's standing in front of two younger turtles, and he's got a blackboard behind him. Oh yeah, and, yeah. I think I just and saw he, this. And he has a blue spiky shell, and they have a red shell and a green shell, respectively. And on the blackboard, he's got like little diagrams showing, you know, like a green shell when launched will, you know, bounce back and forth and then eventually hit another cart. But a red shell will go exactly towards the cart in front of it. And a blue shell will go to the cart way at the beginning and cause them to start swearing. So <laughs> I thought that was you know, pretty pretty fitting for any Mario Kart enthusiasts. And that's exactly what I wanted to bring up this topic for, is that there's so many really creative ideas out there these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It no longer is it just like... I remember Kohl's when they first started getting shirts, and it was just there to be like hip. Like, ooh, look, there's an NES controller, or 
Like one of my right. first Mario shirts was uh, uh, Know Your Mushrooms. And okay, yeah, yeah, I remember that shirt. Yeah, everyone's seen it. Yeah, and I had the different mushrooms, and like that's cool, but that's like still not obscure enough or not creative enough. And it was so kind of bland. I liked it yeah. for the time, but like I would not appreciate a shirt like that now because it would be almost too simple. I remember with that shirt seeing like the poison mushroom and having no idea. <laughs> uh, like I thought, from? I thought the yeah, I thought the shirt was like bootleg. You know, like that they were just making up mushrooms. Sure. Um, but I hadn't played Lost Levels yet before that, so, yep. <laughs> yeah, and so, um, things have definitely evolved since, and so I just wanted to kind of share that with people and, and hear your thoughts, and, um, threadless.com is one of my favorite sites for any kind of shirts. They have a lot yep. of great designers. Uh, oh, I guess I should throw this out there, too. Infinity Wave, he has a thread where he designs shirts all the time. Uh, I feel okay. like maybe maybe it's kind of been slowed down since. I haven't really seen it bump too much, but he still designs shirts, and that thread has been on for ages. And he's got a lot of really great designs. Um, so I would really re- recommend you go check that out. But Threadless... Yeah, I, my brother-in-law just had a shirt on there. I wish that like we were doing this three weeks ago or something, because I think he probably could have needed the needed the votes. But Oh, he didn't get, get through? I don't... I don't know. I didn't hear anything. It, it ended, I think, two days ago. So mm. I don't know if I would have gotten an email or something. But what's what's the rule for resubmitting? Oh, I I don't know. This is the first time he's done it, so oh. we're not really sure. His design was very, uh, you know, he he likes kind of like Tim Burton, kind of like dark, twisted kind of designs. He's extremely good. I mean, he's an art teacher, mm-hmm. but uh, it wasn't a design for everyone. Let's put it that way. Sure. Well, I just figure uh, what I'll do really quick is just I, I encourage people to go to threadless.com and search for Nintendo, and it'll pull up a bunch of shirts and a few that I have. Uh, I have a one called Magic Mushrooms, which shows a silhouette of Mario and Toad exchanging coins for mushrooms, but it kind of looks like a drug deal, mm. and uh, I just thought that was really funny. There's the one right next to it on the page is called 8-Bit Blues, and it's got like a jazzy kind of looking Mario with his hat, like a hat hiding his eyes, and he's playing a harmonica, but really it's a... NES cartridge that he's blowing into, <laughs> and I when I saw that I just couldn't I couldn't not buy that game or that shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just too creative and uh, and then if you scroll down you'll see the eight bit Vendetta, which is really cool. And actually next to that one is uh, called Sunshine, and it if, if I don't know if there's any fans of Little Miss Sunshine out there, but in the movie and, and the the cover art to the movie itself, the DVD I believe has the little yellow bus, which is kind of an iconic part of the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's got that scene when they're kind of because they're driving the car, but they're also trying to run into the van because uh, they're just rushing so much. And it, it replaces the characters with representations of Mario, Luigi, Toad, and, and Peach. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just I love it. And actually, I've had people comment me on that, and it's funny because some people will recognize, oh, that's from Little Miss Sunshine, and then not understand why the other like why the characters don't look the same. <laughs> other people recognize, okay. hey, that's Mario Brothers, but why are they going into a Twinkie van? You know, like. <laughs> so right. it's kind of funny to see that, and then underneath that, and is uh, is a hero named dot dot dot, which is my most mm-hmm. recent Nintendo shirt. Uh, actually, no, the one I'm wearing now is the uh, the Duckham one. This is the one I bought before that, and this is called a hero named dot dot dot. And pretty much, it's uh, Charlie Brown or Charlie Brown looking Link with a cuckoo on his uh, or cuckoo or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. on his head and he just looks kind of like oh you know like what's going on here and just like Charlie Brown would it it's 
Good grief. Good grief. There you go. Yeah. I can't believe I forgot the catchphrase, but so it looks like he's about to say good grief, and uh, mm-hmm. I've had comments on that before, too. Mm-hmm. So I know this is kind of a visual topic that's kind of hard to express, and so we're not going to dwell on it too much longer, but I just wanted to, to let people know that Threadless.com is an awesome source of constantly new shirts, and they have them on there for a while until they sell, and then they, they sometimes can re, uh, be reprinted when they mm-hmm. come back if you vote or if you sign up and say, hey, please let me know when this comes back out. And uh, they constantly do, like, specials regarding, say, Monsters University. Um, Ninja Turtles might have been one recently. But they do little tie-ins when relevant. They just had a Pixar one. And uh, it's a really great site. And there's a a site called shirtpunch.com, which has, every single day, they have two shirt designs. And they're only sold that day. The shirts are always $10.00. And if you miss it, you miss it. There's even a little countdown. Yeah, that and, stuff is, that's crazy. And that's that can be a frustrating aspect about this sort of part of, of gaming uh, merchandise because you'll see a cool shirt and then you can't go buy it yourself later, you know? Because, right, right. Um, then again, they sell, like, magnets and, and a lot of different, like, a lot more variety of items for each item. But then again, they only print exactly what they get the orders for. So it's, it works differently than Threadless, but right now, unfortunately, nobody can get these because by the time you hear this, they're going to sure. be SOL. Yep. But well, they have one called Half Man, Half Machine, All Plumber, and it's pretty much RoboCop, but you can tell it's Mario underneath. <laughs> and, I mean, honestly, that doesn't appeal to me, but the fact that someone decided to mix RoboCop and Mario, that's going to appeal to somebody, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's a cool, very simple design, and then the, the next one's called King of Hearts, and it's pretty much the lead character from Kingdom Hearts and then another character. Like, it's just designed to look like a king in a deck of cards. Mm-hmm. So, again, very cool just creativity out there. So, I don't know, maybe, you know, if you, if you have video game shirts, I want you to go in the thread for the podcast and, and tell us all about it. The last... Yeah, post some pictures. Yeah, totally, of your yeah of yourself or of just the, the art or whatever. Um, there's so many great great uh, images out there and, and shirts. I'm, I'm looking at the last thing I wanted to mention, which was shirt.woot.com, and that's where mm-hmm. I saw the the Mario Kart one you were referencing. Yeah, yeah. And when I searched for Nintendo there, there's even more than Threadless. I mean, there's one that's that looks like Rosie the Riveter, but it's Rosie the Retro Gamer, and she's wearing um, the Power Glove, and she, it says, <laughs> we can do it, and that's pretty awesome. Um, there's a Mario looking guy, but he's kind of in a turban and he looks kind of, uh, you know, Indian and he's kind of, and he's snake charming, but instead of a snake, it's a piranha plant. Mm. Um, there's some zombie Mario and Luigi's and then it says drains, you know, to mm-hmm. go on the plumber reference. Um, so good. Such good stuff. There's one more yeah. I wanted to mention here that caught my eye. Oh yeah. There's this one called secret love. And these are, these are about $18 at this site, by the way. But I think that they stick around longer, so it's not. That's why the other ones were like ten dollars at the other site. <laughs> These can can be purchased uh, without the rush. But there's one called Secret Love, and it's the backs of Mario, Luigi, and Peach. And Mario's got his arm over Peach's shoulders, kind of like snuggling with her. She's got her arm behind Mario's back, but she's actually holding on to Luigi's hand, who's standing there with his hand behind Mario's back. Uh oh. And that's just a hilarious in joke uh, from mm-hmm. the Nintendo. You know, culture and community, so. Mm-hmm. Really cool stuff. 
Again, threadless.com, shirtpunch.com, shirt.woot.com. And there's actually one site that I couldn't find when I was preparing for this, but it's a site that kind of grabs all of those different like new styles from these sites and puts them all in one place. So you can go to it every day and see what's new, and then you can go to the different actual sites that sell them. If I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes. I do apologize if I disappoint you by never finding that, but I'll do my best. I bet you can do it. Well, I think I have it bookmarked, but I just when I transferred over my computer to my new computer, I had my just some stuff that I don't know. I had like two or three different sources of bookmarks all combining together, and I've never organized them, and I don't know if I ever will. Mm. It's just kind of a mess, but <laughs> just I just found one. It's got Link standing in front of the Master Sword in the stone, and he's pulled it off, and but. Only the handle came, and the blade <laughs> stayed stuck in the in the stone. Uh, that's pretty awesome. That's hilarious. And so, which one was that at for people? Uh, shirt.woot.com slash offers slash epic dash fail. Oh, okay. Pretty easy uh, URL actually. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, that's hilarious. There's a lot of different <laughs> things as far as Nintendo merchandise, but these creative shirts from people that aren't Nintendo are actually like better than the Nintendo shirts that Nintendo themselves release. So mm-hmm. I urge you guys to really go look at that stuff and, you know, get your nerdy on. You know? Word. Indeed. So with that, we can move on to uh, to now playing. And Joe, uh, please take, take the reins. Sure. Uh, well, since we last did now playing, I've played many things, but... Um... I guess I'll t- start with just saying uh, I I managed to complete La Mulana, which we discussed was impossible the, the last time. Uh, but the way in which I was able to get through the game a little bit unorthodox. Uh, the Paying only someone. way, what's that? Paying someone to do it? Uh, pretty close actually. The only way I was able to get through the game was uh, playing along with my wife and having her literally just read a walkthrough out loud. And me doing the things that she said to do. So, so how, how long did you spend doing that? Uh, to, to get through the whole game, I yeah. think, I I want to say, like, maybe 20 hours or something ridiculous. And did you have fun doing that? Maybe more. Fun. Hmm. Did we have fun? <laughs> uh, I'm going to I'm gonna lean towards no. But uh, it was the kind of thing where throughout the whole experience, it was just like, I mean, I just wanted to see the game, you know, like, I think that this game is basically built on, on its ridiculous demands of the players on like what it expects you to do. So this way, this was a method that allowed me to see like, okay, what was this game actually asking of me uh, in a way that, you know, didn't take literally years. I mean, I imagine it would take someone literally years to, to beat this game. Because you just, I, I think it would just come down to trial and error. You would just have to try all these just completely nonsensical things. Um, and it's not just a matter of like, oh, you know, put this jewel on this pedestal or, you know, try it on one of these other 18 pedestals. No, it's like you would have to take a jewel that you got in one area and like go to a completely unrelated area in a completely unrelated room and do something that you would never think to do with that jewel. I don't know, it's just it's just ridiculous. Like, and there's no clues whatsoever. Well, for some things, no. 
for some things, we did not pick up on any clues. Uh, the game is, is absolutely riddled with, like, clues in quotations, but they don't, it's not clear what is a clue and what is just sort of flavor text, if you will. You know, just sort of trying to paint the picture of the world. Yeah. Um, cause there's no, I mean, you know, like in like Nintendo games, like they'll kind of like highlight key nouns in a different color and things like this. You know, th- that's being overly blatant about it. But in this, it's not even close. Like, like it'll, you know, if it's referencing a feather, it won't even say a feather. It might say like, you know, the fluffy thing that carries birds or something like even that would probably be more direct than the actual clues you would get in this game so uh and beyond that just uh like the number of things that you can do to absolutely screw yourself that it does not warn you about at all i mean are just ridiculous I, i don't think i mentioned it on the previous podcast i think i discovered this later but like there's a certain room where uh if you if you like move a certain ice block or something like you just literally cannot finish the game, and there's nothing warning you about that. Uh, well, so you can't. Well, do you realize right away that you can't finish the game? No, no. It so was you just could go around for hours still, not realizing that you just screwed yourself entirely. Correct, correct. And uh, if you save, then you can't get it back. I mean, you're just done. <laughs> that is true. Um, there, now there's only one such instance of that. Uh, and actually, I think, you know, maybe I should take this back a little bit. I believe in the Wii version, since it was a remake, there was a way to eventually undo that, but not so, in the original. Do you feel it was intentional at first or a mistake? Um, oh, no, probably intentional because the game is, is evil. There's a, there's another thing which, okay, which it does tell you about where it says like, uh, you know, a lot of times in the game you're reading these tablets. So you read this one tablet and it says, like, if you read this again, you know, you'll be sorry or something. Okay, but in a game full of trial and error and, like, grasping at clues, wouldn't you exactly go and read it again? Because you're just trying to make, like, anything happen, right? Sure, and then you're, if, you, if you don't, you're going to keep playing the game wondering, well, what should I have done? Which is So they right. totally just bait you into that. Right, so it turns out, if you read it again... It, the rest of the game, without telling you, without giving you any indication, is just hard mode now. The, you have permanently activated hard mode, and it gives you no such feedback that you've done this. And that's if you... And you said Read it a second time, yeah. What does it say, exactly? It, like, that, if, like, it doesn't change when you read it again, it just says, uh, don't read this again? That's a good question. I don't know, I didn't read it the second time. because oh, you read that in the... Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm not sure. Even so, that's ridiculous. It's fairly ridiculous. I don't so, know who could argue that sounds fun. No, I mean, because there's also, like, you know, there's parts of the game where you're literally supposed to, um, like, jump towards spikes. And what will happen in, in, you know, like, one area is the spikes will just disappear before you land on them. And, you know, it's kind of like a leap of faith. And, like, you were supposed to do it in that one instance. So, I don't know. I really think that this game, you know, the the... The enjoyment one would get from this game is just would, would just be knowing that they beat it without a walkthrough and just feeling like the uber gamer that you would have to be. But unfortunately, I just don't think it's based enough on skill or luck or sorry or logic. Uh, it is too much based on just random luck right. that uh, I 
uh, you know, I don't see the value and, in that. And in that regard, too, if someone told me, hey, I beat La Mulana without a guide, I'd be like, nice, okay. Like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't feel that it would be, like, a great feat, like some other yeah. games could be. It yeah, I mean, I would... Me at all. I'd be just kind of feel sorry for them. Exactly. <laughs> I would like. feel bad for them. I'd be like, oh, well, I guess this past year of your life wasn't very important or yeah. something. But that said, you know, I, I the the rest of the game, I mean the the creation of the game is is very very impressive and it really kind of almost breaks my heart that it's all sort of shackled by this by this gameplay mechanic, but um I don't know. I don't know if that studio has done other things or or what, but they're certainly very talented. I think even to program a game like this just would just make your head explode. So yeah, they're very talented. I just wish they'd done something else with that talent. Maybe in the future, but at that point, I'm kind of turned off by them in a way. You know, like I wouldn't want to necessarily trust their next product until I've until it's been vetted to not be yeah, like very a true. Of a game. Very true. So, all right, so I'll move on. So the other game I was uh, that I played and beat since we last discussed games was uh, Pandora's Tower, which was the third in the Operation Rainfall trilogy. And this was the game that, before I knew anything about it, I was most excited about from the Operation Rainfall trilogy. Uh, I just thought the character designs and the sort of emphasis on action, as opposed to, you know, the other Operation Rainfall games are really more traditional RPGs, whereas this is more of an action RPG. It's kind of barely an RPG in a lot of ways. You do level up, but that's really, that's really it. You don't, there's no towns to visit and talk to people or anything. Um, so I was really excited about this game. I, looked into it back when it was looking like it was definitely not going to be localized and i saw that like you know that the the whole the whole mechanic with uh with your love interest that you're supposed to be sort of protecting throughout the game you know she's slowly transforming into this beast right and you have to feed her beast flesh to sort of abate the transformation and there's something about that that was just really built too much on i would I would call it shock value, because uh, she gets like really disgusting and like just you know. And actually, I've seen that. I haven't played the game, but uh, in that Tropes versus Women Part Two, okay, she uh, she references Pandora's Tower and kind of gives away the ending and stuff. Okay, and I've uh, seen she references Pandora's Tower quite a bit. So, but yes, go on. So I, I was just saying that I know exactly what kind of grotesqueness you're talking about. Yeah, and it's really not even just like the face or you know anything it's just that she has these like little tendrils that are very they kind of move like the eyes on a slug and it just it's just something about those freaking tendrils it just makes me want to like dry heave it's just eh, disgusting (laughs) so anyway so um although i guess it's a good motivation to try to make sure that that does not happen sure um but and then you know the whole thing like with her eating the flesh is just it's very you know, they really try to get very, um, uh, what's the word, like vivid about it, uh, where, you know, like you see the juice dripping from her mouth and like when she bites in, you know, you hear this very juicy slash crunchy sort of bite sound and, you know, it's just all that stuff is just, I think, designed to make you squirm and I'm not interested in that. Like, that's not what I, that's not the experience I want from a video game, you know, um, so unfortunately there you know that element is just a little bit too prevalent in the game and it really sort of soured the experience for me but 
Uh, the gameplay itself is is wonderful. It's a lot of fun. I'll just say the most captivating things are first and foremost the chain. You use a chain to get around. You use it um, sort of like in Castlevania games where you would like whip up to a to a grapple point and then pull yourself up or whatever. Um, and that stuff is super fun. Like really, really fun. Like I actually feel this is a better Spider-Man game than most Spider-Man games. Have <laughs> like you feel pretty badass and like pretty powerful. Like you can just sort of like whip yourself around these locations. And of course you're also using it as a weapon at the same time because you can use it to stun enemies or, or shackle enemies together or drain enemies life. I mean, just, you know, cool stuff, really, really cool stuff. And, you know, that's one of those rare things in games where, you want to go out of your way to use it, I think, where it's actually so fun that you want to use it even when you don't have to. Um, so that was really impressive, and that was really cool. Uh, the, the second thing is that the boss fights, each boss fight like has its own unique strategy. It's almost Mega Man-esque in that you really have to spend the first few minutes of the boss fight just in futility, just trying sort of different things. Uh, and then you figure it out, and then you you know you recognize the pattern, and then you have to exploit that pattern to ultimately win. Mm-hmm. Um, but the boss designs are very unique and very interesting and very intimidating, and so that's you know also super fun. Um, aside from those two things, eh, it's kind of just you know eh, typical game, you know nothing nothing too great or special or off putting either about it. Um, yeah, so overall, it's a really solid game. It's a game that, in my first playthrough, I was really excited. And, you know, both of the other Operation Rainfall games, as soon as I beat them, I just started playing them again because I was so into it. And I thought that I would do it, do the same for this, especially because you get, like, a new game plus where you can, like, carry over all of your stats and upgrades and stuff. Um, but I sort of, I did the new game plus and I played the first, like, two dungeons. And then I was just like, you know, I don't think I really need to do this. You know, like I just, I'm not compelled to play this anymore. So I stopped. So would you say, I mean, so you say it's still a worthwhile game in the sense that it was worth getting super worked up with Operation Rainfall for? Well, I think it's, it, you know, it's a very good game and one that definitely deserved to be localized. But I think that the other two Operation Rainfall games really stand as like these monumental, you know, pillars to gaming. Like, you know, I think they'll be remembered certainly on the Wii, if not the generation in general, as some of the best games of this generation. But I don't think Pandora's Tower ultimately stacks up, you know, to that level. I think it's a very good game, but it's not one of those, like, quasi-legendary games that, you know, we'll be talking about decades from now. Hmm. Definitely worth a look, though. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen a Blade, as everyone knows now, and I do have... The last story, mm-hmm. but I just have not opened it. Uh, I mean, there's just so much to play. It's it's in my backlog. Hopefully not for that long. I don't think it's that long of a game, so I'll get to it eventually. But Pandora's Tower, I think after the first two games, I just was not interested in getting the third one. Sure. And it potentially risking it sitting on the shelf for for ages too. Plus, it didn't really appeal to me from what I saw more than than the other two. And actually, the last story was a pretty late pickup. Mm-hmm. Which I only got like a few months ago, but Xenoblade, that was, that's what caught my eye. And so, sure. I can't say I'll end up picking up Pandora's Tower or playing it, but I'm glad it's yeah. worth it for those who, who have it. Yeah, I don't think, you know, if, if anyone was slightly interested, I don't think they would be disappointed or anything. 
like I said, it's just that when you've got it, you know, it's so it, the connotation is so closely tied to these other games. I'm just not sure it's quite in the same league. Uh, even the production value is clearly not quite up to snuff, you know. But uh, but yeah. So anyway, uh, lastly, I'll just talk about that I did. Uh, I sort of succumbed to the peer pressure of seeing everyone else play the uh, Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages and Season games, and yeah, I thought because there's so much, you know, uh, arm bending to <laughs> to play a Zelda game. You know, it really takes a lot of convincing. That's it's it's true. Um, <laughs> so I just thought, you know. I've never really given those games the attention that they deserved and, you know, people are playing through them and, uh, you know, so I just thought I'll, I'll jump in. You know, I have, I certainly can afford them, uh, with the amount of, uh, eShop points that I have left and, uh, you know, they had that little sale at the beginning. So, so I went for it and I played both the games. I played seasons first and I've already commented on this in the thread, so I won't go too long with it, but, but in general, they're both very good, very enjoyable games. I found Seasons was a little bit more to my liking. Um, it was a little bit less based on sort of, um, you know, the, the little mental gymnastics that you have to go through just to get around the world. I found in Ages, it was just a little bit, it was just a little bit too difficult to know, like, okay, I know I have to go back here, but how did I get back there? Like, did I have to make it the pass and did I have to, you know, use this item to get around this location. Like, you can't just walk anywhere. Like, you can't just get straight from point A to point B. So, so that just eventually just got a little bit frustrating, uh, especially towards the end of the game when I think I'm supposed to feel like the game has opened up to me. You know, like I have all the items, I have the most powerful time manipulation, but I still was having trouble just getting from point A to point B. And it was just getting a little bit frustrating ages. So, um, whereas at the same time, I feel Ages had some of the more interesting things in it because, uh, you know, like I loved the mermaid suit going underwater and, uh, just the way that they handled that, you know, the primitive Game Boy Color graphics, but they were still able to do that sort of wavy underwater effect, um, which I thought, I thought was really very atmospheric and just sort of painted in a nice picture. Um, so that, you know, that stuff was very interesting and very enjoyable. Um, Ultimately, it was just simply how to get around. It was just a little bit too frustrating in ages, and I think made me enjoy seasons a little bit more. Sure. So, I guess I'll chime in really quick on my opinion on that because I went in to the this whole thing having played both before and playing them in full, and I always remember enjoying seasons more. Mm-hmm. And I played seasons first, and I'm I'm kind of finding myself enjoying ages more, which is kind of <laughs> weird. I don't know why that's that changed over the. Did you do whatever. them in the same order this time? Uh, you know, I don't remember exactly what order I did them the first time. Back in the day, you know, what order. But for, I think now my mind's kind of switched. And right now I'm playing, or I'm at the point in ages where it's the dungeon right after you do the Goron dancing. So it's before the mermaid suit and all that. Mm-hmm. But it's also after the Toke Island, which I know kind of bugs people too. And I, that did bug me this time around as well you know i didn't i didn't love that section or anything but i didn't hate it the way a lot of people seem to like that's not why i don't care for ages as much but i don't know because it just didn't take that long i didn't feel so even if you didn't like it i mean it's over 
pretty quickly, I, I thought. So. Yeah, I was stuck kind of longer than I wanted to be, and I think that's because of, like, the same exact reason that I was stuck on it a long time ago. There's, like, one part of the puzzle that I, for some reason, always miss. Mm. And and so I, I ended up looking at a guide really quick just to be like, okay, I've spent enough time on this. You know, which one, like, what order, like, what, what item am I should be shooting for? Yeah, I guess probably there is maybe a certain amount of luck if you just happen to get the right items at the right times. Like, I find, knew... Find them all. It's pretty clear. For instance, you know, you have to get that tree to grow, and then... Mm-hmm. To do that, you have to be able to go back in time or affect that. So you need the harp. But then to get to the harp, you need to get this. And So I remember like going under in that little water section a few times when I didn't have the right item or something. So I it was just tedious because you mm-hmm. can't easily kind of warp around the island or anything. And it does take a little while when you're missing items. Yeah. So uh, so that was kind of annoying. But I'm, I'm still working my way through through that. And, uh, and I, I had fun. But So this was your... You said it was your first experience with the games, right? Well, it was my first real experience. I'd played them both on emulator a long time ago, but uh, by that I mean I I played them for like you know maybe a few hours each. Like sure. I didn't I didn't beat either of them. I don't think so. I might have beaten seasons back in the day, but anyway, um, I certainly didn't do the link game thing, which was very cool. And with the 3DS being able to just suspend, and then I used little game notes feature, yeah. which I don't know, even know how many people know that that's like a thing on the 3DS. Probably just forget about it. But no, I use uh, that to track like what items, uh, like who wants what item in the trading sequence. Ah, that's pretty and good. If I came too. across someone, I would yeah write that down. So yeah, that made it super convenient. Like it's almost as if that system was uh, designed with the 3ds in mind so um so yeah so that was very very good so you said that you beat both games and you did the the linked kind of finale Mm -hmm. okay so if you haven't done it yet and you've never experienced the games please turn off the podcast or skip ahead a few more minutes or to the next chapter because before you know before we move on i want to hear your thoughts on on how the the bonus content at the end because when you beat both games and they're linked after you beat the the second game's final boss, you actually go into a whole separate segment that kind of ties back into the core series. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, so skip ahead if you don't want to hear this. But three, two, one. Uh, Joe, tell us about that. Okay, so so basically, it just uh, you know the, uh, the forces of Twin Rova, uh, you know, have been sort of working behind the scenes, and they're working to revive Ganon because, of course, that's always the goal of people. Well, they're, uh, Kote and Kume are, um, his mother's kind of. Oh, really? According to Ocarina of Time. Gotcha. Um, Something like that. They're, they're related somehow to Ganondorf. Interesting. Interesting. So, so yeah, so they, so even though you, uh, continually succeed in both ages and seasons, somehow you also kind of fail because they are able to ignite all the three necessary flames to revive Ganon. Um, and then, so you just have to go through basically almost like a mini dungeon, right? It's only a few rooms if you do it the right way. <laughs> and uh, and then you basically just uh, you fight Ganon, right? Was there anything else I had to do before then? I don't really remember. I can't recall, and I'm not there yet in the yeah. game. I know that there's the Ganon fight, and there's... Yeah, Twin Rova. Because you fight Twin Rova, don't you? Oh, yes, yes, yes. You're right. You do a boss fight with them. 
um, which is fairly challenging. I think probably maybe more challenging than Ganon, but um, but yeah. A lot of people were reporting that Onyx, who I think is the end boss of uh, Seasons, was actually one right. of the harder bosses of the whole series, and I beat him pretty easily, so right. I hope that bodes well for me when I complete the other. Yeah, I do think, I don't know if it's because you kind of get to transfer some of your power-ups, uh, but uh, Ages was, I think, less difficult in terms of, you know, actually living or dying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I'm sure, I know there was, like, one boss that just gave me the hardest time, but now I can't even remember which one that was, so maybe it wasn't that bad. Oh, no, now I remember which one it was. It was... uh <laughs> Uh, the one where you have to throw the bombs uh, in on the top of the head. Mm. Oh, remember yeah, yeah. that? You have to climb the, up the ladders and throw it. In yeah, and yeah, spins. yeah. Oh, I figured that one God. out pretty pretty well though. If you throw it like one or two turns before it's the one you want, then it pretty much lands every time. I I nail that one pretty easily. Yeah, I mean towards the end I was starting to get it, but uh, you know at first I was just like, ah, what's what am I spo- how am I supposed to do this properly? It never lands on the right one. But yeah, yeah, eventually I got it. But I think you're supposed to probably feel that frustration for a little bit at at first. Yeah, it's one of those bosses for sure where it's you either are or you aren't. Hmm. Like, and by that I mean you're either pretty adept right away or or you're not. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> do you uh, need a nap? We should, maybe we should edit that. <laughs> um, so, anyway, both excellent games, and I actually would like to go ahead and get uh, Link's Awakening and play that next um, in the near future. So, I'm ready for more Game Boy Zelda. You should, and, and it's on the, the 3DS eShop, so... Yep, yep. It's just a couple of clicks away. Yep. So, uh, so that's what I've been up to. What about you, sir? What have you been playing? Okay, well, I've been playing this little thing that I kind of already mentioned to everybody in the last podcast. I've been playing Animal Crossing. I can't believe that. And it feels good. And I'm really afraid that you're going to chop my trees down someday. But (laughs) No, we'll get to that too. But I've been playing Animal Crossing New Leaf on the 3DS. And as someone who's been with the series since the original on the GameCube, I could not be happier. This is definitely the definitive version and it's it's upgraded everything pretty much in every way. And, uh, I mean, there's still more improvements that could be made, etc., etc. But the core gameplay is there, and it's great, and it's expanded, and I'm having so much fun. Uh, I mean, I, guess, I don't know, I guess, what to say specifically, because... So, so tell us about the joys of doing nothing. The joys of doing nothing. Well, let's see, I wake up, <laughs> and before I go to work, for real, I end up playing a little bit, and I do a little watering. I look for the fossils that I, I have in town. If it rained the night before or the day before, I look for the gyroids that, that might be in the ground as well. Because for some reason, rain brings like musical, moving little robots, probably made of clay. And uh, Are those the little fire hydrant slash wacky, waving, inflatable arm flailing tube men. That is a very adept description of them, yes. Okay. And that's what I'm talking about. There's like 80 or plus in the game. There's a ton of them. And I'm not even sure if they're meant to be collected per se, like every single one. You don't really have a place to put them in. Like, there's no museum section for them. Uh, You can make one later, kind of, but unlike the fossils and the bugs and the fish, which you catch to 
create like your catalog and finish it. There's no real tracking for this, so. Well, don't they just reside deep in your subconscious, haunting your nightmares? Isn't that where they stay? <laughs> I like to let them out a little bit, but yeah, that's the general place. <laughs> okay. Um, I do have a few in my basement right now, but they're mostly in my just in my inventory because eventually you can expand the museum to allow yourself to have your own display rooms, mm-hmm. which is a pretty cool addition to the to this version that was never in any others. And so I probably will end up putting a lot of Nintendo items in one of the rooms because the game is chock full of those too, and I'll get to that in a second. But the game is also full of these gyroids, and I kind of want to to you know have a few in my house to go along with the music because they time themselves with it. So they kind of dance to whatever music you have playing in your house, which is kind of a neat touch. And they kind of they they can take say any KK slider song that you you have in your house. If you if anyone else has that in their house, obviously it's going to be the same thing. But if you put a few different gyroids in there, then you kind of have these nice accents. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'll keep a few for that, but I want to keep them on display in the museum and have my own little gyroid section, which I hope can hold them all. I don't know how big the expansion turns out, but uh, going to the Nintendo items thing really quick, too, that's a new addition to the series. And depending on how big your Nook Mart is, you can get one to three of these a day. And what they are is they're fortune cookies. And you use actual 3DS coins, not not the in-game bells system, but actual 3DS coins to to purchase them, two each, so between two and six coins a day, depending on how many you want to buy. And uh, you eat the fortune cookie, and you get your little fortune. And like today, I got one. It was number 35, and it was uh, and the fortune was it's dangerous to go alone. Take this, <laughs> and you can imagine what item was in there: uh, the okay. master sword. So. Uh, and actually, in an unfortunate turn, um, I got two of those because my store has two fortune cookies, and both of them were the exact same one, hmm. which worked out. I gave one to my girlfriend, and I kept one for myself. So we're trying to help each other get get them all. I've even got a little tracking sheet on on uh, Google Drive, which is tracking them. And it's tra- I got stuff tracking our museum input, so we can give each other fossils if you know if I don't have one that she has a duplicate of that kind of thing. And that way we know if we should sell them. So we got a pretty elaborate operation going on, but it's uh, it's a lot of fun. And so that's a, that's a big upgrade uh, to the series. I guess I'm trying to think of where to. I mean, there's so much to do in Animal Crossing and discuss. It's kind of hard to think of where to go. Like I know Andrew's having trouble trying to find his goals, but the thing is, there's no real defined goals. Mm-hmm. Like like I started saying. I mean, I wake up and I water my plants. Which I didn't really care about in the in the past game so much, but I guess I just feel like being more of a. Uh, what is what does that do, by the way? Watering your well, plants. if you if you don't water the flowers, then eventually they'll wilt and die. Oh, but that if they, sucks. But if they wilt, you have a day to water them again, and then they'll spruce back up and stuff. So okay. it's not like you're really at risk of losing them. But, but it is preventative. Yeah, and and you can oh, see. I keep going on these facets. There's uh, a new addition to the series called uh, Ordinances, and there's like four of them. And once you're, since you're the mayor of, of this game, you're able to set an ordinance in your town. You can change it at any time, once per day, but any time, and it costs X amount of bells or whatever. And one of them is called the... Uh, I forget what it's actually called, but it's something about like the beautiful town or something like that. And that's the only ordinance you you can do that allows you to not have to water your plants because it just kind of implies that everyone is told that they must water the flowers. So the flowers okay. are always going to be watered. 
and the town kind of it's kept up. Instead of you having to pull weeds, there's either going to be less weeds or no weeds and stuff like that. But I have the Night Owl Ordinance, which means that all shops are open like three, two to three hours later than normal, Okay. which is great because you know I work a normal day and I get home and I don't necessarily even get to sit down and play right when I get home. So I might be playing into 9, 10 o'clock at night, sometimes 11 o'clock. Um, on the weekends, if I have time, I mean, I, I've, at least for now, I mean, this kind of wanes as the series goes on because, you know, every game like this, you do fatigue over time. Mm-hmm. But, like, last weekend I was playing at, like, 1 in the morning, and I could still sell things that I was collecting because retail, which is the little thrift shop in town, uh, they were open till like, I think 1 or 2. So I was able to still sell things when normally they're they're closed by 11. Now, I thought to that point, I thought that I heard maybe during one of the uh... – Bill Trinan developer interviews that um, you could sort of with this game you could sort of request that your town sort of function more during this range of hours in the day like like you could set it permanently you know that you would normally want it to be most active like you know morning midday evening you know something more like that that's kind of what these are so you don't get to pick do you think this is what they were referring to yeah this is this has to be it Okay. So the normal operation hours, you know, characters will wake up probably between 7 and 9, um, maybe 10 o'clock, and then they'll go to bed probably around 11, and then the stores are kind of closing at that time. But the Night Owl Ordinance, not only does it keep the shops open longer, but it kind of affects everyone's sleep habits. So I, when I play before work, I rarely see see characters up and about at 6 o'clock in the morning or 6.30 because mm-hmm. of the fact that they're just intentionally kind of sleeping in so they can party out later, you know, because, yeah, that's that's what they're doing. And um, if I was to do the early bird ordinance, then it would be the opposite. They'd get up early. They'd probably go to bed earlier, though. And so if I worked nights or something like that, or if I had more time before work, I'd probably want to set it to that. And, gotcha. Uh, so it's pretty cool that you have some sort of functionality in general. Just the fact that it's there shows an, uh, just one of the many examples that the game developers really cared about making this, ser- or this game in the series more uh, approachable than ever before. And the games have never been, you know, uh, standoffish. It's not like, sure. you know, they were for a specific crowd. I mean, everyone and their mother can play this game. But now it's a lot more customizable to your own needs because a lot of people would change the clock and kind of cheat things, uh, which, again, is a relative turn depending on how you view that. But... Uh, they would do this to to adhere to their playstyle. Sometimes they would have to mess with the clock because they worked until uh, you know two in the morning, and then they'd stay up for a few hours. Like Zero, he's always up late through the through the night. I think that might have something to do with with. Well, no, I, I don't. I don't know if he works normal hours, but he's a night owl for sure. So I, I have no doubt that he might have the night owl ordinance going on because he just might play video games after midnight, and it kind of would suck if every single day. Because of how the games originally were run, you just could never do what you needed to do. Yeah. So some people I know back in the day would actually set their clocks on their like GameCube and stuff, like three hours off, just so the game would match that, and then you could play like normal. Right. And so that's kind of ridiculous. So they kind of remedied that. Sure. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Well, speaking to you, know, you mentioned how the game was for everyone. I just wanted to point out that. I have never seen more activity on my 3DS friends list than since the release of Animal Crossing. And I was actually listening to another podcast, a Pokemon podcast, and the host of that show said the exact same thing. He was like, 
He was like, I have about 40 3DS friends, and I've never seen more than a dozen on at the same time. But now I am seeing that routinely with Animal Crossing. And for me, every time I log on, it's probably between like 6 and 11 people playing Animal sure. Crossing, which is insane. I cannot believe this. I had no idea that this series was so big. I don't know. Yeah, you know, and I think it has been big for a long time, but I think that having the 3DS, which is a pretty popular... Well, the DS was popular, too. Wild World was really, I think, where the series started taking off. And then it took a big hit when City Fall came out because it was a the same version as Wild World, pretty much, but you couldn't take it everywhere. Right. And having, uh, having it be mobile like this is so much of a, a benefit, too. And so the fact that, like, you know, you're seeing people on... Now, I don't have... Well, I don't connect it to the Wi-Fi at work, but if I did, you'd see me on at lunchtime because I, you know, I take a few minutes to do a few random things and everything. And I think that's what's happening is people are able to play this at any time, so they're able to fit it in better. They're, I don't know, it's just it's so much more accessible than ever. Well, that uh, leads me to another question. I have heard one, not even complaint, but just sort of note about this series is that it's not really built to be played for like hours a day would you agree with that that it's built to just be like checked in like every day for you know maybe 30 40 minutes and then i mean people i was talking to someone who was playing said like you know after maybe 45 60 minutes there's not really much more for you to do that day necessarily you said 45 to 60 though yeah because I've heard some people say in reviews and stuff that, oh, yeah, this is a game that you play for five, ten minutes. Okay, that's bullshit, all right? <laughs> if you were to give only five, ten minutes a day, you would not be enjoying it to its fullest potential by any means. <laughs> I think that's such a, like an offensive number because it feels like they really don't understand the game. <laughs> when you have things established, I can see things crawling closer to that. Like right now, I'm not like interested in making my orchard. Some people really craft their town and they, they put patterns all over, and they make pathways, and they do all this stuff, and it's it's really cool, but I just, I just don't care for that. I kind of like to keep it more organic. Mm -hmm. But now that I have all the fruits and and all that, I do kind of have the chores list of checking for the fossils, um, trying to catch certain fish if I don't have them. And next month, there will be a kind of a new crop of, of bugs as some of them kind of leave. Like right now, uh, by the time people listen to this, you won't be able to catch a char anymore in the river. You won't be able to catch... A rainbow trout, uh, fireflies, I think, will be gone for a little while. And they'll come back. You know, it's not like they're only June. but um, So you, you, do, you do things like that. But you, there is still more to that. I, I go and check all the shops. and I, Because I'm kind of addicted to cataloging everything. So I spend money just buying pretty much everything I don't already have ever had at one point. And mm -hmm. then I'll probably sell most of it anyway. But I do a lot of shopping. Um, there's... Uh, there's Club LOL, which I haven't even started yet, even though it just opened up in my town today. And that's a whole different thing. That's where KK Slider plays. Right. And so I'm excited to ex experience that tonight because we're recording on Saturday. And uh, that'll be my first time because the past few weeks that I've had the game, I haven't been able to uh, to hear them. So. Um, but yeah, the game eventually does get there because right now I, I do go through a couple motions and then there really is nothing left to do. Unless I want to go the extra mile, like, you know, today maybe I should work on making some patterns or creating some clothes or uh, getting, getting like, finessing the furniture in my house. 
Right mm-hmm. now I got stuff just strung about everywhere and I really should organize it better, but I haven't fully upgraded my, my house to its full potential yet. So tonight, and actually I fell asleep playing through the S yesterday. Um, and then, so I lost my progress, unfortunately, but I had gone to the Island to make some money because after 7 PM at this time of the year, there's a lot of great, uh, beetles that you can catch that are worth thousands of bells. So if you okay. fill up your, as much as you can bring back from the Island, then you can make tons of money. I made like 330,000 bells in one trip the other night. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that had a few sharks in it as well, mm-hmm. which are worth like 15,000 a pop. So. You have 40 slots. That's quite a bit of uh, of money to be made. And so I'm kind of working on just getting my my bank account up so I can start expanding my, my house some more. And there's also something in this game that, in, that kind of comes from the mayor aspect is they're public works projects. And in the past games, you could eventually donate to a fund, and it would be like, oh, well, this person in this town thanks you for your donation, or you're really helping out some fictitious town, and you never see the money again. Literally, it's just like, you have nothing to do with these bells, so you might as well put them into this number, or this account, so you can just see it rise and be like, oh, hey, I've donated that many bills, haha, you know, and you suck. Okay. Cause, and it was just pointless. Now, you donate to your own town, and you build things. Like, I built a campsite, and next to it I built, like, a fire pit, cause that, that just seemed appropriate to me. And if you, uh, the campsite currently today is empty, but the other day there was a cat called Kabuki who kind of looked like an angry Kabuki artist. And, mm-hmm. um, and my town's full of vill- villagers. I'm working on getting a couple of them evicted because they kind of annoy me. But had there been an opening, I could have tried to convince this guy to stay because the campsite kind of helps random characters come in and you can kind of coax them into staying with you, which sounds almost evil, you know? Hmm. But, uh, it's a pretty cool. Uh, facet of this game that wasn't found in other games. But other things I can build is, um, well, Rossetti. Now, you know Rossetti a little bit from Smash Brothers, mm-hmm. but Rossetti, for those who don't know, is this mole who will pretty much uh, reset block you if you try to reset the game. So the game takes place in real time, just to save and quit, but if you, for some reason, don't, whether that's an accidental battery drain like last night for me, or if you, for some reason, try to cheat the system by just turning off the system Say something didn't go your way or something like that, and you wanted to undo something. Well, when you boot it back up, he pops out, and you cannot do anything until you listen to his lecture. <laughs> Which in the original games were really long and really hilarious, but at the same time, it's like, shut the hell up. There's, there'd be like 30 to 40 bubbles of text that you'd have to listen to him just ranting. He'd go on to rants about like the ethics of resetting, or he'd even digress into other things, and then you'd have to sit there and listen to him talk. <laughs> And in this game, uh, I had actually had an accidental battery drain, kind of like last night. And, or no, no, no. No, I did not. What happened is I accidentally unplugged, when, when it was in sleep mode, I had accidentally hit the, the DS cart slot and popped it out. Oh. Yeah, so I freaked out, put it back in. I was like, no, what happened? And, of course, it was like, hey, error, the disc, or the, the cartridge left the, the 3DS. So I had to restart, and I technically, you know, technically reset and he gave me a little bit of a lecture. He was he was pretty nice about it. And then he actually said that uh, this, this isn't going to be a recurring thing because he doesn't have the funds for his reset center anymore, his reset surveillance center. And if I wanted to, I, I could be nice enough to donate to that and get it up and running again. But it was up to me, and that he'd never, I'd never see him again if I didn't want to. So in this game, they've actually made it sort of optional because the first encounter with him is is very basic. He's not up your ass or anything. 
Mm-hmm. And then from that point on, and actually you have to reset to get the option to make his reset center uh, a reality again, which is kind of a funny thing. Because characters will occasionally bring you like, hey, I think we really need a yield sign, which is something I will never build in my town because that's ridiculous. But, you know, somebody said, hey, I, I think a fire pit would be great. And then that suddenly showed up in my list of things I could do. Okay. And so the reset center now shows up after that first resetting. And so I set him up. And, yeah, as proven yesterday... Now that he's up and running, he uh, he's back in action. But he's he's a bit friendlier now because he gives you an option. You know, why did you reset? And you can choose like because I reset because I wanted to, or the battery's drained, or something else. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I said that the battery's drained. He's like, okay, well, you really shouldn't do that. You should watch for that. You know, blah blah. So he just gave me a small lecture, and uh, and so it's kind of ridiculous, I guess. But at the same time, you can visit him on occasion sometimes because what it is, it's a manhole. And once in a while, that manhole's open, and you can go down, you can visit him. And I think if you talk to him enough, he gives you, like, a special item that you can only get from him. So I'm working on that. But it's just, it's, the game's so full of effing charm. Mm-hmm. And all this that I'm describing to you uh, is just charming. And so some days you really do only have maybe 15, 20 minutes of stuff you can do uh, total, maybe a half hour. I'd say half hour is kind of appropriate if you want to you know, buy all the clothing and now there's shoes and stuff like that and, and do all the, those sorts of things. But if you want to go into the pattern making and stuff like that or really build relationships up with your, your townspeople and write letters to them and stuff, like I've been pimping out the podcast to my <laughs> Animal Crossing town, which mm-hmm. of course means nothing to them, but it's just kind of my way of injecting a little bit of real life into it. So okay. someone might come visit my town and talk to some, to one of my villagers and they might say, hey, check out this cool letter I got from the mayor here, Stephen. And it'll say, you know, hey, if you listen to the la- next Negative World podcast or, you know, that kind of thing. Hmm. So uh, That's pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to do, but it's it's one of those games. It's one of the few games that you get as much out of it as you put into it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if you're not getting enough out of it, maybe there's a taste issue. But, I mean, chances are if you bought the game, then you probably feel like you will like it. So it's more an issue of uh, of you just not putting enough into it. Not caring mm. enough to try. Well, this is going to be a real leap of faith for me because this is actually one of the few times where I'm not sure I would like a game, but I have uh, I have requested it for my birthday, uh, which is coming up next week. So by the next podcast, I should have some Animal Crossing uh, reactions. Mm, cool. Well, I can't wait to hear them. Yeah, I uh, I think it'll be cool. I um I'm very excited to try it. That's for sure. And, yeah, and uh, they've done more to kind of make the one player uh, a little bit deeper with the island. The island that I mentioned that has bugs also has kind of mini games and stuff that you can play, and uh, and those are pretty fun. You earn your own island currency there, and you can buy special items you can only get from the island and everything. And uh, you can bring friends to the island, and you can play the mini games with them. So, you know, me, you, and my girlfriend, we can all play. Uh, like a game where you have to kind of find the fossils and rearrange them correctly in, in a matching house and try to get that done in a time limit, or you got to catch a certain amount of ocean fish, but only certain ones count, or shoot down a certain amount of balloons, stuff like that. Hmm. It's pretty cool. Um, I was kind of curious the um, the physical size of your house and of your town. Mm-hmm. Does that change, right. or what? The town is fixed. Although okay. in this game, it actually allows you to change. Like, in, in every game before, you got stuck with whatever randomly generated town first came up for you. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you reset. But technically, you got one shot. Now, in this one, as you're coming along to your town, it says, hey, is this your town? 
like, is this the town that you're looking for? And, uh, and you can say, right. nope, not this one. And then it skips to the next one. And so I actually went through like two or three before I was like, ah, okay, I'll stick with this one. Mm-hmm. And they're not all that different, but the placement of the beach, the placement of your ramps to get to the beach, the way your river cuts through your town, all that sort of thing is all randomly generated. And so you do get to decide to some degree how that is affected and everything. But the town itself, the size is fixed. Uh, there's no, you know, in, in, in the Zelda Oracle games, you kind of explored, you kind of got your world grew and the map grew as you explored here. It's all or nothing, you know, but that said, uh, the house though, and in past games, it's been different depending on what game you're playing. In some games you had one house and you could like branch off different rooms and everything. And it could kind of really expand in a great way. And other times, uh, I forget what game it was. I don't know if it was Wild World or City Folk, but in one of those, I believe you actually, see, I don't want to say something wrong, but I can't really recall. But I know for a fact in one of the previous games, you were kind of stuck with what you had. Like it could, it could expand, but there were, you couldn't have a bunch of different rooms shooting off from it. And, uh, and you were kind of very limited on space. If you wanted more space, you'd had to make a new character or something. And so this game goes back to the old way where you can get a back room, you can get a side room, you can get another side room, you can get a second floor, you can get a basement, and then you can expand all of those from the normal kind of small room to big room to biggest room. And so there's a lot of a lot of space eventually. Your house does grow uh, immensely. In fact, you don't even start with a house. You start with a tent, okay. which has the same amount of space as a house, but you, you don't even have like an actual house yet until you uh, pay Nook your first you know, a couple of pennies. Mm-hmm. And in this game, he he does things kind of backwards. Originally, you owed him, and or you'd have to pay him for the next kind of upgrade. And, uh, well, no, I guess it does kind of function the same way, doesn't it? Pretty much you pay for the last one, and then you'll instantly say, uh, no, I don't remember, I don't know. I feel like in the past games, you would pay for the upgrades ahead of time. Um, but maybe that's false. I forget. Either way, you pay Nook. And when you finish, like, he'll finish your basement, and then he'll say, okay, now you owe this much. Pay it whenever you can. He doesn't get up mm-hmm. your butt about it. Mm-hmm. But when once you pay it off, you can instantly go to him and say, and then he'll say, oh, you know what? Do you want to upgrade anything else? Yeah? Okay. Well, it'll cost you this much, but uh, we'll worry about that later. I'll do it right now. So you kind of get gratification faster, I feel like. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Just like the real-life housing oh, yeah. situation. Yeah. You can sink into debt. Um, well, that's all cool. Yeah, and I mean, that's all I'll say, because we've talked a lot about it already. Um, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it more in the future. Right, and the the discussion thread that I started for it, which uh, I know I started a bit early, but I kind of wanted to start the hype train a bit, and I think we already had like almost maybe eight or nine pages before the game came out. Now that thing's like in the late 20s, so there's mm. still tons of discussion. It's very active and live on the forums, and this is a game built around... I say built, <laughs> built around community, and mm-hmm. uh, for that I'm I'm having a ton and ton of fun, and cool. I won't go into detail right now. Maybe I'm gonna write the review eventually. That's the plan. So I'll probably discuss it in there. But the the Wi-Fi capabilities and the multiplayer aspect is is really nice this time around. So mm. whether alone or with friends, Animal Crossing is a great game. Excellent. Yeah, and so I'll uh, quickly mention the other game that I I've been playing which I also plan to review at some point. Um, it's New Super Luigi U. Oh. Yeah. Tell us about that. I was going to wait to buy the actual box version in August, 
But then it came out, and I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I still might buy the box version. I'm not sure. But it it will kind of be ridiculous to do so. But it'll be so far down the line, maybe I won't feel like the stupidity of paying for that game twice. Right. Because um, it's like I'm paying for half now, half later. And then it totals up to a $50 game, which, in my opinion, this is kind of worth it. To a point. Um, I guess to, mm-hmm. to say with that, the game is really fun. It is. It uses the same map and everything as as the original New Super Mario Brothers U, but the levels are all different. They're actually shortened. They're like half the length. So it is kind of a misnomer to say 82, you know, brand new levels. Because when you think about that, you're imagining the same length, the same standard of level, mm-hmm. as you know. But really, they're actually about halfway, uh, and there is no halfway point because of this. And the the clock goes down to uh, it starts at 100 seconds. So right when you start every level goes do 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 and then you kind of have to rush. Better better better. Better better better. Yeah, exactly. Better better. And this is for better or worse, I mean the case because on the one hand, it kind of lights a fire under your butt and mm-hmm. gets you puts some pressure on and everything and that's really cool, but the game the Mario games have always been about exploring a little bit too. And this game is certainly not missing any secrets. I mean there's a lot of there's the three coins every level to find. And some of them are really tucked away in a creative spot. And so I kind of wish I had more time to lollygag and just kind of explore. I mean, I think the other game, New Super Mario Bros., you had like 400 seconds or 300 seconds. So to cut it down so significantly is kind of a bummer, but at the same time, I guess I get their point. And uh, typical me kind of finding you know, the glass half empty and full at the same time. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, but still, it is fun, and it's ridiculously hard, which is kind of cool. I I don't know if I've ever been challenged as hard in a Mario game as this. Like, from the start, these levels feel like they're on par with, uh, like, the, the end game levels of Super Mario 3D Land and, and other, well, I forget how New Super Mario Bros. 2 was, but in, in some Mario games, they have those really, really hard levels that you kind of unlock by beating everything else. And this feels like that for every level. On top of the fact that Luigi's a slippery guy, and right now I'm in the ice world, so you can imagine that's even multiplied. And, yep. uh, and it's just, it's it's challenging, but not impossible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I consider myself a pretty good Mario player, so I don't feel like I have maybe as much of a challenge uh, with these as, as some other people might, especially like casual players who got into Mario and got into their Wii's just for the Mario uh, aspect, but um, but it's definitely up there, and it's definitely giving me a run for my money. So I do recommend um, people get it. Yeah, so if, you know, if it was a debate on whether or not you should, uh, as long as you don't mind a bit of a challenge, it's uh, it's Mario, but Luigi. <laughs> have you um tried any of the multiplayer? No, I have not yet, actually. Because I, I know that there's that uh, Nabbit, and he's like. Invincible or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I should try that tonight, maybe. After my uh, sister gets off work, I might be able to finagle that. Um, Nabbit, well, pretty much you play as Luigi, two toads, I believe, and then instead of Mario, you play it. You can play as Nabbit, and Nabbit is that rabbit who steals stuff. Um, I forgot which user on the boards thought of this, but somebody suggests that Nabbit is actually Wario. <laughs> In disguise, oh, yeah, yeah, which I yeah. thought was a fun, uh, a fun little mind exercise, I guess to to you know try to figure out if that could be true. But uh, Nabbit 
the the gimmick with him is that he's invincible. So if if you're having a hard time with this game and you're playing with friends, you can still get to the levels. Just uh, you know, you'll be invincible. But the thing is, you don't get to have any power ups whatsoever. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to presumably find all the coins as Nabbit or anything. And if you play solo, you definitely have to play as Luigi, so you can't cheat like that. But mm-hmm. uh, so that's kind of cool. I, I do appreciate Nintendo's attempts to make everything accessible, even when they're making things really hard. Mm-hmm. And it started kind of with the the help block back in the day, which everybody, and of course everybody, I use kind of crazy. It's obviously not everybody, but so many people complain about that help block, and I never understood why people were freaking out over this. The fact that Nintendo had the, the go-ahead to make a hard game and then have an out for anyone who needed it mm. was a brilliant idea. Yeah, I think that uh, I think it is brilliant in that sense because people are always, you're typically always just clamoring for more options, more options, no matter what it is. And then this way they were, as you said, they had the, really difficult way to play it or if it was too tough then they had this out the only reason the only thing that i didn't like was uh, i'm not even sure if this was in every game that used it but some of them like i think you could not get the best ending or something like that if you used it even once well the endings were were all the same but yeah there was the little like stars and stuff Okay. So if you saw it, not even using it, but if you saw it, I think it might have prevented you from getting right. one of those, which is totally annoying. And it did lead me to, I think where this was with New Super Mario Brothers U, I think it was, uh, but it led me to, when I died like three times in a level, go play another level that I knew I could beat, just to kind of reset that counter. Mm-hmm. And that way, uh, you know, I didn't see it and I got all five stars or whatever. Yep. That might have been the Wii version, I forget, but... That is annoying, and that's just a that's a simple design mistake, I guess. Well, I can understand that you don't want to, uh, you know, if you still want things like those stars to be a prestige factor, then you can't just let anyone get them, you know. So, sure, but I think I think the be- better way to have handled that would have been to just make it so if you use it, you don't get yes. the star, but yes. to see it, there you go. So yes. just because you're you're per- being persistent on a level, you don't, you know, you actually get penalized for that. That's kind of uncool. Right, yeah, definitely. But besides that, um, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. And so that's kind of what Nabbit is for this. I'm not even sure if there is a help block in this game, come to think of it. Might be weird with the short courses. and. Yeah. But, you know, maybe it's there. I mean, I, but I don't know. I've died quite a bit in, in the same level before, and I haven't heard anyone talking about it. So Nabbit might be the answer for that. Yeah. Now, currently you do have to have the original Mario game, and what happens is you download, once you confirm that you have that, you download the DLC, because that's what this is, and it kind of changes your, you pop in the the Mario game into your Wii U, and it shows you the logo, and then after a few seconds it moves it over and then says, plus, new Super Luigi U. Mm. And uh, then when you're in the main menu, you can choose your Mario save file, or you can choose the little thing up at the top that says Super Luigi U. You click on that, it takes you to a whole new set of three save files. So that's cool that they gave you more than one. And uh, and then you just play from there. So it is very much attached. The one in August is going to be a disc-based, and it's a little bit pricier because it just completely is detached from, from the mm-hmm. Mario game, which I think would have been a nice touch. Um, but I guess either way you look at it, I couldn't have Nintendo Land in there and then still play the Luigi game no matter what. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really help me either way. So True. That, that's True. one of the reasons I just kind of got it now. And, and I did want to kind of write it 
when I remembered that I wrote the reviews for New Super Mario Brothers U, I was like, yeah, it's probably appropriate if I write the, the Luigi one. So I decided that I would do that and play the game. And so the game kind of, or the review kind of writes itself right from the start. I mean, I haven't finished it or anything. Obviously, I want to play it more before I, I do a complete review. But, I mean, you kind of get the first, or the sense of what the game's about in the first world. And then everything after that is just the same kind of hard difficulty, but in a new coat of paint because you're in mm-hmm. a new world, you know? So, you know, in a way it's not different, but it's different enough to satisfy me. And, and I love a good new set of Mario levels. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not someone who gets fatigued or anything by this because it's not like they release them every six months or something like that. And, well, and uh, I love anything where uh, Luigi gets the focus. So And that too, you know? Yep. I like that it's not. I don't know. They could. They totally could have done something where. I, I mean, I think you can play as Luigi in the Mario game, but uh, they could have totally just copped out and done something really subpar. But they really went full force with Luigi, and I hope to see more like this in the future with, um, with Nintendo. Not that I'm gonna want a DLC pack for Super Mario 3D World or something, but yeah. maybe maybe there's something that they could do that similar but different. But yeah, that, I mean, that's enough of that, unless you have any other questions. Uh, nope, I don't think so. Okay. Well, so uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we'll uh, do our little quick trivia segment before moving on to the, the main topics. All right. So we're going to try this little segment now called, I guess the best way to call it is just box art trivia. And so the the premise of this sort of thing is to describe box art to each other or, you know, in the future, maybe to a guest or something and describe box art as if you didn't actually play video games, just kind of, you know, you didn't know anyone's name. You didn't know what a certain creature might actually be or something like that. And so you just kind of describe it vaguely and you try to, uh, have the other person guess what you're trying to get to and what game you're trying to represent. And uh, so, I mean, I've heard this done, this sort of thing uh, kind of done on on other, well, only one other podcast, and it was a cool idea, so I wanted to see if we could try it and see if uh, maybe, you know, it might be something we can kind of include on occasion because it's kind of a cool idea. So Definitely. Uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to? Uh, why don't you go first? Because we've got, just for the, the listeners, we have three each. And again, this is just kind of like a trial run segment. So we each picked out three games that we're going to test each other on. And uh, I chose NES and Super NES. And uh, Joe took the, the later 
consoles so that way we wouldn't accidentally overlap with and, I mean because I can't tell him what I chose so uh-huh. uh, so we did that and so we'll see I don't know how well he's going to handle on this I don't know how well I'm going to handle on this because yep I mean like I had a pretty decent Wii library but my tastes have always been very catered to my tastes and I don't expand out of that very often so like if you if you chose a Starship Damry or something like that which I know is like an eShop game so it doesn't have a box but, <laughs> that'd be a really hard one but, <laughs> yeah it would uh, but you know if if you chose something like that I mean, I've heard of it, but I have no idea what what it could be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it's just not, that's just not in my own taste. So hopefully we're not just idiots. Maybe this is a better thing to have with multiple guests and stuff like that. But we'll give it a try. And I guess I'll go first with box art number one. So there's a, there's a helicopter, and you got a like a duck hanging off it, and um, and there's other ducks kind of freaking out because some prison convicts are chasing them um it's a yellow helicopter okay i think i i think i i you, think i got it you, yeah you do yeah uh what? well uh, i'm not sure which one though i uh i'm gonna i'm gonna make a guess it is the first ducktales game Woo! that's right <laughs> yep uh yep ducktales ducktales for the nes the only way i was able to narrow it down is because i i don't have that one well, actually, I, actually, that's not true. I bought it just a few months ago, but I don't have the box. And I, I remember the box of the second one, which I also have, but I don't remember any Beagle Boys on that. And I think oh, that's, have... that's what their name was. Okay, so when I said Prison Convicts. Yeah, I think that's what you're going for there. So Yeah, yeah, because this box art, um, which I guess I can't really put in the uh, enhanced version because that would kind of defeat the purpose. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's got, uh, what's the name of the helicopter guy? Launchpad. Launchpad, that's right. He's flying the yellow helicopter, and Scrooge is hanging off, and he's got a giant freaking diamond, and the Beagle Boys are just uh, running towards the end of a cliff trying to catch them. So, Yeah, so that that makes me think uh, how similar the box art from 1 and 2 actually are, because I think in 2, he's hanging off of a helicopter, and I think he's got a big old diamond and everything, but... Uh... Anyway, they maybe knew that, what they wanted, and they stuck with it. Yeah, maybe that was their point. I don't know. Um, okay, so now you want me to do the second one? My, like, all three at once for you? Uh, no, I'll, I'll, we'll go back and forth. Okay, so box okay. art number two. Yeah. All right, so on this box, we have a robot, a teapot, and an electrical plug. Okay. <laughs> You know, I've never played this game, but I'm pretty sure I know what it is. Yeah. And, and actually, this is not a testament to, like, your picking. Um, I'm surprised I, I think I know this. Uh, because well, the, when the, your first clue, for, that's the first thing I thought of. But um, is this Chibi-Robo? It is Chibi-Robo. Okay. Because when you said robot, I was like, robot. So Chibi-Robo just came in my head. And then uh, Teapot, I was like, well, he was small, like a teapot. So I was thinking, and then the plug totally sold it. Yep, yep, yep. I figured, you know, I figured robot was like because there's not too much else on this box art. Right. There's like, there's like wood. Yeah, he's like running or something, isn't he? Yeah. Um, but I figured robot was generic enough that has probably been on so many video game boxes. Yeah. But that teapot, that really, that was your clue. Never go with the teapot. That's a rule. Yeah. So. So yeah, this is a game that we've owned for a long time. I think my wife has played the first few hours of it, uh, but but never went beyond that. And it's so it's like officially on my backlog because it looks 
really, really fun. I've heard so, but I've never played it myself. Yeah. I've just, I've seen video and seen the box art. But it it is, it's such a distinct character and concept that that's probably why it stuck with me. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. Uh, All right. So, So, uh, your turn. Box art number three. And just deal with it. I'm going to say that for all six, so just deal with it. Um, I've already dealt with it. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, on this, in this game, um, there's a guy, and he looks like he's from Dragon Ball Z, and he's fighting like a black yeti. And there's a chick in a robe who's like shouting and shooting fire out of her fingertips. And there's a frog like looking for his contact lens on the ground. (laughs) Um, You know, in the dead of winter, perhaps. Uh, Okay. I'm going to say that this is Chrono Trigger. That's right. Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Yeah, That famous game where the frog looks for his contact lens. (laughs) Yeah, it was, uh, you know, the... uh, well, the Dragon Ball bit was that was helpful. Yeah, and almost I almost wondered if that was like too much of a cop out for the. Well, I was I was my mind went to Dragon Quest at first. Oh, okay, and, and I think uh, I don't know if maybe I'm just inventing this, but I feel like I feel like there's probably a Dragon Quest game with a uh, with a woman shooting fire off of her fingertips on the cover, but that may just be like manual art that I'm thinking of. Or right. Something. Yeah, but the frog, that really <laughs> And he's not going to find that in the snow. I mean, that's just not happening. Nope. Yeah. Nope. And she does look like she's wearing a robe. It looks like she just got out of, like, out of a bath. Mm-hmm. It's pretty funny. And then it's kind of even hard to understand. I guess she's shooting fire at his sword to power it up for a move. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I've played Chrono Trigger. Yeah, I just don't really remember that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think because it's, it's largely based on all the combo attacks that you can do. Sure. With the, different party combinations. Which I do so. remember getting really into the combo attacks back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very important mechanic. Mm-hmm. But okay, so your turn. Well, what what number are we on? Box art number four. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Alright. So this box art has a very large moon. It has a clock tower that resembles Big Ben. Mm-hmm. And it has a jester. A jester. Oh, getting you a little bit more difficult, aren't we? This is difficult. Obviously, the first thing that comes to mind is like Majora's Mask, but, but Majora's that... Mask has the mask in, on a black background, I think. Uh huh. So this is nothing related to that. No, no. So it's a not... moon, a clock tower, and a jester. Jester. It's a purple jester. A purple jester. Purple. Jester the molester. Nope, nope, yeah. that's not a game. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm kind of stumped on this one. Can you give me any other hints? Uh, let me see here. Let me see if I can give you some more hints. <laughs> not a ton of things on this uh, on this box, so <laughs> I don't think that I can actually. So just, uh, what what system is it for? This is for the the Wii. This is a Wii game. The Wii. There is a um, I think uh, like one of those. Underneath the logo, there's one of those like masquerade kind of masks, but it's really it's kind of small. I don't know if you'd even notice that. But oh hell, I think I think you've stumped me, sir. Okay, this is Knight's Journey of Dreams. Oh oh, purple Jester, that flying chick. Yeah. Yep. Yep. What's her name? Well, it's funny you should say her because supposedly it has no gender. That's the official statement. (laughs) The creators. I'm not kidding. They have said this is a genderless creature. 
But it's funny you, th- you thought I was a girl because most people kind of err towards guy. But um, really? I don't know. Yeah, I was always under the conception that it was a female character. Yeah, but no, that that is knights. That's the name of that character. Is knights? Is knights or knights? <laughs> knights. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. Um, hmm. Okay, so the genderless knights. Yeah. That sounds like a sequel title, genderless knights. <laughs> that I'm sounds like, like a terrible porn movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when the lights go off, the genders are ambiguous. Oh God! <laughs> Should that be the title to the episode? Genderless knights. Yeah, maybe. I don't maybe know. Not. <laughs> I guess we'll see. But okay, so, good one. You stumped me, man. Yeah. I didn't know anything about a clock tower or a moon. Uh, obviously, I went to the the obvious one, but I like how you described that because it totally made me think of a different game, which is exactly mm-hmm. how these descriptions should work. So, good job. Now, would you have even like known of of this box art or this game, or like has Knights just not really been on your radar? Before? No, I mean the most I've played of Knights is the level in Sonic All Stars Racing yeah. Transformed. Yeah. yeah, that's about it. Yep. But okay, so. Box art number five. And, uh, okay, this one, uh, there's, like, a, there's a ship, and maybe, like, maybe, well, yeah, there's a there's a wooden ship, and there's some monkeys hanging out on it. One of them's in a cage. There's, like, a blue, red-spotted, like, dog-looking type thing that wants to eat one of them, I think. Um, Yikes. Yikes, you don't know? Uh, nope. There's something that looks, it looks kind of like a Pikmin in the, uh, oh, well, I guess I can't use that as a clue anyway. It's not a Pikmin, but it looks kind of like a Pikmin. Um, but since this is supposed to be described as a non-gamer, this is a pointless clue. But yeah, uh, huh. there's, there's, uh, there's a parrot on the mast fighting another parrot, it looks like. There's a fat <laughs> rat. Some treasure. Uh, I have no... You have no idea? <laughs> No, I don't. I, I wonder if anyone else out there... I mean, it could be a testament that my description was bad, but... Um, oh, there's also a K-A logo, Kids to Adults. That doesn't help, I'm just kidding. So, yeah, I guess I'll give the... Uh, okay, well, I'll start using obvious descriptions now. Um, so, yeah, so like I said, there was two monkeys who were trying to save another monkey, and there's, like, lizards in pirate hats. Is this a Donkey Kong game? It might be. Okay. All right. And, uh, yeah. So I'll just. I wouldn't even know which one. I wouldn't even know. Uh, well, the clue probably should be the fact that I said two monkeys are saving one of them, um, because Donkey Kong Country Two: Diddy Kong's Quest involves Diddy and Dixie and Dixie and they who are saving yep. Donkey Kong. Yep. 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 So well played, sir. Thank well you. Well played. Hopefully, hopefully it was a good description, and not just me being an idiot about it. Nope, nope, but, that was uh, good. And the Peekman reference that I actually made, that's because the dolphin in the game is, like, way in the back of, in the water. You can barely see him, but he looks like a blue Peekman sticking his head out. Okay. But, uh, and then, I guess the blue dog thing is, like, a claptrap variety of something. Uh, uh the little, the little, uh, little alligator yeah. thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it looks more like a dog from this perspective. Just yeah, yeah. Too. Yep. So... It's all right. So I stumped you on one at least. Oh, well, well done. Thank you. All right, your turn. All right. Box art number six, the final box art. <laughs> all right. Now, this is this is an obscure game. Not terribly obscure, but I don't feel bad if you don't get it, all right? But we'll, okay. see, if, we'll see if the clues are enough. Okay. 
So on this box art, we again have the moon. George's mask. No. Okay. <laughs> we also have a castle. And then we have a werewolf holding a skull. Is this like a sh- based off a Shakespeare play or something? Or No. No. A wolf holding a skull? Yep. What kind of weird-ass games do you play? Uh, yeah, this is... Uh, <laughs> I'm, let me say I'm very surprised at this box art. Hmm. You know what, though? I feel like I've seen this one before, though. But I... I'll give you a little more. There's he's he's not only holding a skull, he's also standing over the skeleton that belongs to this skull. This is a sad box art. Yep. And there's a there's a face of a man in the background looking very ominous and uh very evil. Hmm. And did I mention the castle? Yeah, well I'm guessing you're re mentioning that makes it a Castlevania <laughs> game. Correct. Yeah, I've never played any Castlevania games in my life. But <laughs> oh. when you said castle in the first place, I was like, the moon and the castle. I was like that's probably Castlevania. And the wolf thing, I think I remember hearing something about that in a in a game. And the skull—that's the kind of tone of a Castlevania game. Yeah. Um, Symphony so, of the Night. I'll just throw that out there. I don't know. No, that's I don't. Right. I don't even know what system that's on. Yeah, that was not even a Nintendo system. Oh no, really? <laughs> no, <it laughs> I picked the one Castlevania game. Not even on. <laughs> okay. Um. No, even even for Castlevania, this is a bit obscure. This is Castlevania Legacy of Darkness, which was the sequel to Castlevania 64. Okay. Uh, I was originally going to go with Castlevania 64, but that was just like a guy holding a whip with a castle. Like, that would have been totally well, See, I was thinking about Castlevania, the NES game, which is the same exact description. <laughs> yeah, pretty much every other game is... A I, think, I think I was going to say um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is holding a whip. Because mm-hmm. he's really buff on that NES box art. Yeah, on those early ones, he was totally like Conan the Barbarian. I put things up. I put things down. And I don't. I think that was just the American version. I want to say I don't think in Japan it was quite. Well, so. in the Japanese one, I'm sure it was him smiling with a whip, like holding it nicely. <laughs> but then for America, just like the Kirby games, they made him all angry and aggressive. Yep, yep, that's pretty much it. <laughs> like actually, uh, Super Punch Out, I think, um, has uh, Mike Tyson having tea. I think in the Japanese version, yeah. No. Yeah, just yeah, having a tea uh, in an onsen, just enjoying Why? the. No, that's how it is. With uh, with Little Mac, you know, it's just um, it's just a nice little. No, am I mixing my my games up too? Yep. I forget. Who do you play as in in, in Mike Tyson's Punch Out? Do you play as Mike Tyson or you fight Mike Tyson? Right. You fight Mike Tyson at the end. Yeah, I I don't I don't know or care really. <laughs> I'm just gonna stop talking. So. All right, so that was fun. There you go. That hopefully, was pretty good. Hopefully the listeners enjoyed that. Uh, yeah. That took longer than I expected, but also I kind of liked our discussion and debate. Because mm-hmm. um, in the form that I heard this idea, uh, when I first heard, it was more like uh, quick snippets, and then mm-hmm. yes or no, bam, move on. So I kind of liked that we discussed it or kind of helped each other along, you know. Mm-hmm. That was fun. And there's a lot of games, so there's a lot of box arts, especially for oh, the yeah. eShop games. That's the tricky ones. Yep. So, <laughs> one zero zero one zero 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 one 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 zero. That's your clue for the your Matrix. shop game. The Matrix. Yeah. Matrix Reloaded. Nope. All right. So what's what do we got next on the? Uh, we on the have docket? a break, and then we'll come back, and we'll uh, we'll see how we can round out our Nintendo libraries. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right, and we're back from our second break with our main final topic here. Uh, we wanted to discuss, well, actually, we're going to throw out that other topic I mentioned before. We're going to do the top 50 NES glitches of all time. We're going to start counting them down. We're going to take... That was mental. Anyway, no, we're not doing what? that. We're not doing any <laughs> top 50 anythings. Um, I don't know if I got you there, Joe. You did. Really? You totally got me. <laughs> no, you're just being nice. What we're gonna do? We're gonna we're gonna round out our Nintendo libraries a little bit. Obviously, Joe needs a Wii U to start rounding out his Nintendo library. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. probably the biggest corner. Yeah, that and he's actually, rounding. in the notes it just says Wii U. That's all he says. So. Yep. Um, but actually, that's just a joke. Uh, because even though he doesn't have one yet, he can still see what what would help. Not necessarily help him get a Wii U because he he wants one, obviously, but what would make it a really well-rounded system for him? Because obviously, I think everyone could say that right now it's not. More platformers! <laughs> right. And that's and that's great for me. I love platformers. But, yeah, I would like to see something else. And so I've come up with a few ideas. And not just on the Wii U, but on the 3DS as well. And I don't, I don't have nearly as many ideas for the 3DS. Because that, I guess, it's later in its life. It is satisfying me uh, a bit differently than, than the Wii U, but... So we're just going to throw out some ideas, talk about them for a little bit. You know, maybe uh, maybe you've thought about this yourself. So who knows? But uh, Joe, I guess you you want me to go first on this one. Do it up. Do it up. Okay. So I think that this one will hit home with a lot of people. But I would love to see a time splitters type first person shooter. Shocking. Shocking how? I I'm kidding. Okay. Because <laughs> um, you talked about time splitters before. Yeah, and 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 I don't want to turn this into a time splitters discussion, of course. So I was kind of That's worried okay. when I wrote that down. But I would like to see a first person shooter. I do like first person shooter games, and the Nintendo Wii is clearly the Wii U is clearly missing that aspect right now. Let and, me ask you this: sure. Do you like the genre, or are there like specific aside from say time splitters, like? Are there first-person shooters that you play that are on the market right now that you just wish, like, oh, if they could just get this franchise on the Wii U, that would do it? No, or do you that's... Want just like a... yeah, yeah, I actually, I want a Nintendo first-person shooter. And okay. so by that, I mean, I want something like The Conduit, although better. I mean, I like the, I, li- I did like The Conduit. I love the first Conduit. Yeah, second I never... sucks. I never played the second one. I wanted to. Terrible. It didn't get great, you know, kind of great fanfare around it, and I just didn't have the money at the time, so I just kind of skipped it. But the first Conduit I really did enjoy quite a bit. Yep. I thought it was pretty uh, pretty deep and everything. And I know that compared to other systems, it wasn't, but for me, who only gets my first-person shooter, uh, you know... Fix? Fix, yeah. Thank you. My, my first-person shooter fix from Nintendo consoles, pretty much, <clears throat> that totally was uh, was a great game to have in my library, and it controlled immensely well. Yep. So... I would love to see more of that. And then having the Metroid Prime series get the trilogy where you had the motion control, um, you know, shooting and everything was awesome. I mean, those games were... You took Metroid Prime 1 and 2, which I think they're both great. I think even 2 is great. If a little convoluted, but still a great game. The whole trilogy is an incredible achievement in video game history. And so to take the first two and add that uh, functionality made incredible games even more incredible, which I didn't even think could happen. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see a first-person shooter on the Wii, on the Wii U, 
that uses motion control, not this gamepad. As much as I love the gamepad, as much as people want the gamepad to be used in things, you know, it can be used as a map, or it can be used in multiplayer more heavily, perhaps, for uh, tactical reasons and, and stuff like that. But a first-person shooter with the kind of comedy of time splitters, but with the with the motion control of Metroid Prime and the conduit, and uh, and then I also like the time splitter series a lot because of its variety as far as the time periods and everything. So if you just give me some random thing where we can just go to a bunch of different locations and, and go to town and have fun with wacky characters and, and charming interactions and stuff, I would love it. I would eat it up. It would be like one of my favorite games. And if it had a great multiplayer like the Time Slitter series did, it wouldn't leave my system probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, because GoldenEye uh, 007, which came out for the Wii, that too is a great game. And it was a remake that they did a really good job. It's, it's a bit more Call of Duty than than I you know, usually care for. I don't really care for the Call of Duty series, but it was still really fun. And even to this day, recently, we've been playing it uh, as a community. So I would love to see a, a first-person shooter done right. And I know that there was a lot of violence at E3 considering Sony and Microsoft's platforms. But Nintendo needs to get a little bit of that fix in as well. They can't be completely... Candyland, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and the thing about Time Splitters is that it was violent, so to speak, but you're being chased by a gingerbread man, you know? Mm-hmm. It takes you out of this vein of, of violence and puts you into a whole another category. Yeah. And I, I love that so much. Well, and I also think an important distinction that, you know, they could, Nintendo could easily make is like the difference between violence, aka, you know, like someone shooting someone else and you know, gore or brutality, which is, which is, I think, what a lot of people were turned off by with, you know, some of the, some of what was shown at some of the E3 presentations, not only this year, but just in recent years. Um, <clears throat> I mean, like, I know for me, The Last of Us looks like a pretty interesting game. But then when they start just like mercilessly bashing people's skulls in and stuff, it's like, that's not for me, you know? Right. And I saw the, uh, it was. I had the same reaction for uh, the recent Tomb Raider reboot because oh, yeah. that actually looks like a fairly interesting game. But like, oh my god, was it Conan O'Brien of... segment? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because he did the little yeah. Uh, and little... seeing that, oh and, my god, and the yep. fact, like, I guess they were having trouble with with that segment. Like they they weren't intentionally trying to do that, but I think <laughs> it just kept happening. But that is grotesque. Yeah, and you it... should describe the segment. Okay, cause... so the segment. It's a really funny thing. You guys should go look it up. Pretty much Conan, he on occasion will meet with a game developer and then he'll try out a new game. And so he plays it with them and he makes, obviously, a bunch of cracks at the game and, and it's really funny. Because uh, he's, like, not even someone who enjoys games, it no, sounds like. No, like, like Jimmy Fallon, he has people on. And, right. and even though he doesn't always show them the best, he does have an earnest uh, quality about him, about how he feels about games and stuff like that. And he's very open about how much of a gamer he is. And uh, I think he's just a little too hyper sometimes. But with Conan, Conan pretty much, he doesn't have time for video games, and he never has. And yeah. so to see him, like, experience these things, experience modern gaming, uh, it's just really, really hilarious. Mm-hmm. And so in the, in, when he did the Tomb Raider one, there's a segment where she, well, first of all, she's just getting her ass kicked throughout. I mean, oh, my God. And I guess it, it's hard to, you know, understand that out of the context of the game, so... But I remember that from the E3 demo, where they were just showing it when they debuted the game. I right. just remember feeling like this is just like a human um, punching bag yeah. simulator or something. But And later became a human pincushion, because 
yep. in the in the demo on Conan, the, she's going down a river, and it actually was pretty cool to see kind of was it kind of a first person view, right? I don't remember specifically. I've, yeah, I forget if it's first-person view or not, but she's kind of being for, swept down a river, which is actually a pretty cool idea that I don't really remember seeing much in video games. And, and hell, it happens in real life, so it's kind of neat to, to see her fighting that and battling and trying not to get hurt. But there's a segment where, like, there's some stuff sticking out, and she constantly get it, got impaled in the neck. Through the neck. Yeah, through the neck. Skewered and, entirely through the neck. Yeah, and then she's kind of, like, alive, still hanging on, but yep. struggling, and, it, and you oh watch her die. Oh, my and so they kept showing that on the Conan show because it kept freaking Conan out. He was like, oh, my God, I can't believe what I'm seeing and everything. And, <laughs> but it's true. Like, that kind of stuff I just never understood. And, and it's great that you brought up the, the difference between violence and then brutality yes. or grotesque uh, gore because that, for me, has always been an issue. I have no problem. Like, I, I still – and I've probably said this on the podcast before, but when I was whatever age I was in 98, I was pretty pretty young, so like 13. Okay, yeah, like 13 or whatever. And I, you know, asked my parents for Goldeneye, and they knew they could trust me with it and everything, so they had no problems getting it for me. And I was, you know, doing headshots left and right, but it didn't mm-hmm. it didn't bother me, not in the sense that, like, I was immune to it or um, or I didn't care, but I right. knew the difference. You know, when it was a simple headshot, right. then you the screen goes red, and then you just keep moving on. It's a game. But right. if I saw heads exploding or other kind of really grotesque things, it might have been more damaging to me. Yep, yep. Just yep. this morning, uh, I literally woke up from. I was just dreaming, and I was just. It was just kind of a random dream, and suddenly it went really effing uh, horrifying, like a horror movie. But it was really graphic, and I was like, "What the hell?" I didn't even watch anything recently like that. But gyroids. Um, yeah, yeah, they were coming at me, uh, <laughs> doing their dance moves and waving and attacking me. With, <laughs> no, uh, but it, I won't describe it because it was just disgusting. But I was like, "What the, what the hell?" Like. Believe me, I'm holding back my my uh, swearing mm-hmm. tongue right now because it was just so disturbing. I was like, "Where did that come from?" I hated it because it was it was so graphic. If I had seen it from a different perspective or something, it may not have been that big of an issue. I'd be like, "Okay, I dreamt." But the fact that I was privy to some point of view that uh, that I that I had, it was just it was really hard to swallow. So I don't want to see that, and I don't think yep. that games need to to like. I don't think that doing that makes it a more mature game, right? Because the concepts can. The whole premise, the whole mature concept of violence and uh, aggression and adversaries and all that sort of thing is there regardless. But when you bring out that gore, the the shit through the neck, the um, you know the limbs just blowing off in kind of a horrific way, it <laughs> yep. just it just takes me out of it. Honestly, I stop having fun yep. because I start caring about that guy's disgusting arm or something. Yeah, I want to just have cartoon fun. I mean, that's been a term that's been around since the days when Nintendo, you know, started, when video games started, yep. uh, cartoon violence. And that's what I like. That's why I love Smash Brothers. I don't understand. I never understood Mortal Kombat because sure. I just didn't care to see someone's spine ripped out of their skull. I didn't get any <laughs> gratification out of that or spine ripped out of their body or whatever from their right. skull. And back in the day, that was always a big selling point was that I think the Sega version had the more graphic uh, finishing the moves. Red, the red blood or something. Yeah, so, red blood. I think they were slightly yeah. more graphic uh, attacks and... Um, and I'm not saying anything against people who can tolerate that, but I just certainly can't. And so I know that Nintendo wouldn't go that far on a first-person shooter with mm. their Wii U, but I would love to see one still because the whole premise of aiming, shooting, uh, the tacticalness of that is still really fun. I mean, it goes back to the days of Hunters and Gatherers, you know, well before video games ever existed. It's just, it's a natural thing. I mean, I have nothing against guns in, in America or anything, but I, 
I mean, I won't go into my politics and beliefs on that, but uh, there's, I mean, you can't just blanket it and call it just, oh, you know, it's 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 one thing. There is a difference in how they're perceived and and the brutality of certain things with media and, and all that. There's just different tones, I guess I'll say. So I would love to see a Time Splitters-like game from uh, from Nintendo or from a company that Nintendo has in their system and only their system because the Conduit, Time Splitters, uh, GoldenEye, those were all excellent games that I would love to see a uh, mm-hmm. some sort of revamp on, whether it's those series or not. Um, the other game that I was thinking of would be Space Station Silicon Valley, like a new one of those. And you don't have any history with this game, do you? I, I've never even heard of this. Somehow. Okay. It's been a long, long time since I've played it, but the premise of this game is you play as a microchip who can actually go between animal to animal, and the reason that they can do that is because you're on a space station with different, uh, like the different worlds are different little bubbles in the space station on a, on like a moon or something, mm-hmm. um, kind of like terrariums, I guess, and so you have like an ice area and a forest area, etc., and so there's different animals, but the animals are actually robots. And so you can hop in as a microchip, you can hop into each robot and kind of possess it. And you use each robot and each specific type of animal to solve environmental puzzles, to avoid other robots that are kind of more aggressive. So, you know, you might end up being like a... This is not an example from the game, but you could be a deer in a in a African Plains type setting, or an antelope or something. And so you gotta, you're, you're fast, but there's also some tiger robots who want to maul you down. So you have to try to think of how to get across some sort of valley without doing, you know, without getting hit and destroyed. Mm-hmm. So maybe you actually might find an eagle somewhere, so you got to try to find some way to subdue the eagle so you can possess it and then you can fly over the, the chasm or something. So it was a really unique puzzler. And actually, I watched a clip of it right before the podcast, and there was a penguin, the, the person was controlling a penguin, and there were like some sort of creatures, I didn't get a good look at them, who were attacking, uh, trying to attack you, and you had to get rid of them. So you went over towards a polar bear and got its attention. And a polar bear, by the way, has no legs. It's it's, it's a tank, but it's a polar bear. So the polar bear then rides over and follows you, and uh, and then shoots like you know missiles or whatever at these other creatures, and then gets rid of them for you. So it was just a really wacky game, a really fun game, and I think it was a 3D game as well. Just to clarify that. So while we made the joke about platformers uh, moments ago. It kind of was a platformer, but different. It was a platform puzzler. It was 3D, and you had certain limitations by these different creatures, and it was really cool. So I think that with like HD graphics and that same kind of mentality, with maybe like the gamepad as being a map, kind of in the same vein as like the next Pikmin, I think it could be a, a really fun tactical game. Can I just say something on behalf of our listeners regarding you in this game? Sure. Don't do drugs, Stephen. <laughs> uh, why? Don't do drugs. Why? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just listening to you describe it, and I'm looking at some screenshots, and I'm seeing like a wolf with well, rockets on his sides, and he's on some skis. Careful looking at screenshots, because you might go blind, because the graphics were not pretty. <laughs> the graphics were rough. not pretty. I think it was nice. like a, a first year N64 game. Okay. Or maybe a first 18 months or something like that. It was, it was an old. Uh, you know, an old title with, with some mm-hmm. basic graphics. So I think doing it up for real would be really cool. It's like a bear slash unicycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, in all seriousness, this looks like a very fun, quirky, interesting game, actually. Yeah. And, you know, after it was made, it just kind of was forgotten about. I mean, yeah. there's been very little discussed about it. 
Um, I think it'd be really cool. So I bet this would be the kind of game that you could uh, you could pick up nowadays, and even if in some areas you were kind of like laughing at the decisions. Although obviously this is not like a very serious game anyway, but I bet it would still be entertaining yeah. even today because of all the insanity. Frankly, I would love to see it on the virtual console just because I don't remember having an easy time with it. I'd love to see what like my enhanced brain could do with it and see if I could beat it again. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, the uh, all the the experience I've gained over the years, the experience points. I'm trying I, to see who makes this game. Uh, you know, I did not look it up ahead of time. I'm not sure if they're even around anymore. You know what? I think it looks like it says Take Two. Oh, really? Take friggin' two. Wow. Wow. What are they up to right now? Do you know? Uh, they make all of... What are they... They they make one of the, like, big, huge franchises that I'm not at all interested in. Um... Do-do-do... We need an Operation Microchip to petition that they stop making that franchise and they work on this. Take two... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Take-Two wholly owns Rockstar Games. Okay, yeah. So, so Grand Theft Auto mm-hmm. and a bunch of other things. So, yeah, they're a little busy. But it would be cool. It's It would round it out, I think, to have something like this. More recently, Bioshock. Let me take mm. a look here. Do-do-do. Well, it looks research. like there's a billion developers for Bioshock. So, anyway, it looks like there's, I guess, more of an ownership thing. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, so that was uh, my second. But they're, they are absolutely still alive and kicking. Yeah, well, hey. Uh, maybe there's hope. <laughs> I should write my congressman. We'll, we'll stop working on Elder Scrolls and Grand Theft Auto and revive Space Station. <laughs> yep, Triple SV. That's what the cool kids used to call it. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Made that up just now. Yep. All right, so... Uh, I'll mention this one really quick. I really would like to see Metroid Prime 4, which I think we all do. I mean, that's a sore sore position to have right now uh, for many people because of retro, but having that would definitely help. Um, and then two ideas that I had for 3DS would would be a, have a new Pacross, like a fully-fledged Pacross game, even though I'm very happy with Pacross E right now, and I hope that we get its sequels, but that would help round out the 3DS uh, you know, library a little bit for me. But I would like to see some more puzzle games on the 3DS, and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot, but there's not that many that uh, that are that unique and that appeal to me, and there's one game that I always loved, and it was on the 64, and I would love to see a 3DS sequel, because I think the 3D would be really nice for it, and it wouldn't make that much sense to really have... I mean, I guess it would look nice in HD on the Wii U, but I think a 3DS sequel would be great, and it's called Wet Tricks. Mm-hmm. And have you ever played that game? Uh, no, but I feel like you've talked about this. I think I have. At least mentioned it before, because... I know I've heard of it. Yeah, you have an awareness think. of it. Yeah. 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 I think I think I have mentioned it on the podcast before in a different context, but Wet Tricks, just to sum up really quick again, is a puzzle game where Tetris like pieces fall onto a SimCity like piece of land and you use these pieces to build up mountains or lower uh pieces of land and you kind of create lakes because water fills up in these little crevices and earthquakes happen and that can cause water to flow over and I'm pretty damn sure like Maybe 10, 15 episodes ago, I did mention this. So it's, it's like been a Tetris while. meets Fluidity meets SimCity. Absolutely. That's a, that's a pretty good description of it. Mm. Um, and the equal of that is fun. 
Uh-huh. And actually, I remember sucking at the game quite a bit back in the day, but I still enjoyed it so much that I it still kind of sticks with me. So seeing something like that would be really cool. And again, the 3DS uh, 3D mechanics would be really sweet for it. True. So those. Yeah. Are, so I guess the rundown: a time splitters type first person shooter, a new space agent Silicon Valley game, Metroid Prime Four, a dedicated Pacross title, and Wetrix would be. Uh, would be some really great things that would help round things out. These are all wishful thinking. I have no idea if any of this is in the works, but it would be sweet. So Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. So I kind of went through my list. It wasn't maybe as deep as I could have made it, but uh, what about you? Um, all right. So first and foremost for me, this is just something that has been sort of on my wish list for a long time. I don't think I've mentioned it before on this podcast. Maybe I have. But uh, in all of the Legend of Zelda lore... My favorite character of all time is actually Sheik, who only makes an appearance basically as a, you know, supporting character. In, yeah, don't uh, make me judge the gender of Sheik, because then I'm really going to get confused again. Because <laughs> we'll have another, <laughs> we'll have another. <laughs> yeah, is it a, is it a guy or is it a girl or? It's funny how much debate there is, or at least was over that. Um, oh, yeah. Well, anyway, I consider it to be a girl. I consider it oh, yeah. to just be it is a girl. Yeah. Sheik is a woman, yes. Right. Um, so, yeah, so I would love to see a game that, you know, not just like a Zelda game where you play as Sheik for an extended period, but I would love to just see a game about that character where you are like Princess Zelda, maybe during the day, and then at night, you know, you go on missions as Sheik, and I don't know. I could so see almost... it having like some some stealth elements in there maybe okay because when you yeah when you just said that just now i was kind of thinking maybe it would be something that kind of tells the story of what zelda slash Sheik was up to when link was taking his seven-year nap but at the same time you could yes. consider that maybe after the fact obviously stuff's you know gonna still hit the fan and just because link knows who Sheik is doesn't mean that Sheik has to go away Sheik could be how princess zelda kind of becomes a crime fighter herself kind of tries to fight evil under the cover of of Sheik. So that'd be kind of cool to explore that now that you mention it. I think probably the the easiest way they could do it would be as you just said where they could sell it as this is what happened while Link was away, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, things became so dire, you could see the decision-making process and, you know, her learning the craft or whatever and then, you know, yeah, playing well, as Sheik. Though at the same time, would it be almost a disservice in the sense that so Link you know, the big man has to be gone for, for her to be able to do anything? Or would it be more, like, cool to see her alongside him or stepping up when he's not? Or, or, or maybe I'm just creating a problem out of nowhere. Or maybe with him sleeping, she still, you know, took care of business. Yeah, I think it'd be more like that one. Now, you know? would you say it as, like, a 2D NES game called Adventure of Sheik? <laughs> no, I, I sort of, in the show notes, had my little <laughs> subtitle... Legend of Zelda: Sheik's Adventure. And that's, where, that's what came to me, but that's where I got that from. Just yep, <laughs> adventure. Yeah. Um, but yes, and I, you know, even, so I think that would be the the most straightforward way to go about it. But even if they didn't, uh, as I was saying to you before the show, you know, Legend of Zelda essentially, I think, retells the same story over and over again, uh, even though they claim, at least now, that it's all one big timeline. But so I wouldn't. I mean, I would have no problem if they invented a new setting, a new piece of the fiction where, you know, maybe Link never 
stops being just like a farm boy or something. You know, maybe Link never takes up the sword and shield. Maybe well, it's just Zelda as she. What if they could justify that whole bullshit about Link dying at the end of Ocarina of Time to create a third timeline? And so with him dead, she has to end up becoming Sheik anyway, and she actually fights evil and Ganon herself. Interesting. That'd and, that be would, cool. and then in the next Hyrule Storia, that can actually justify that boneheaded decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. That's right, Miyamoto, doing your job for you. Yep. So yeah, so make it happen. Legend of Zelda Adventure of Sheik. That's top <laughs> on my list. Um, second would be uh, a slight divergence from your Metroid Prime 4 would be a Metroid Other M2. Now, it wouldn't have to be Other M2, but just a game made in that style. Because even though a lot of people had issues with uh, what they call the story, which is what I would call the dialogue, um, I loved that gameplay. And I loved that they had a Metroid that was at least trying to you know, be more of a storytelling device and focus on the character of Samus, not just as, you know, an avatar for, you know, a gun yeah, shooting I, in space. But. I completely agree. It, it, I mean, I, I was someone who played the game, and when I was done, I was, you know, kind of like, not, not take it or leave it, I enjoyed my time, but it wasn't something I wanted to play through again. Mm-hmm. But now that you mention it, man, it wasn't as bad as everyone made it sound like. Well, the thing is, you know, you know, everyone gets tripped up by what they didn't like with the dialogue and the character presentation. But what then is forgotten is, you know, all of these just extremely just cinematic, you know, real time gameplay of just Samus being the most badass that I think she's ever been. You know, where she's flipping around and like, uh, I don't know. I mean, well, I can't describe it. Verbally. No, you're right though. I mean, think about it. Uh, Metroid Prime 4, what I said, that, that would be a great game, no doubt about it, but all she's ever doing is strafing or jumping. Right. So it almost makes her feel like that she's not as acrobatic as really she is in, in Super Metroid when she's doing those crazy spin moves and wall jumps and stuff. She clearly has a lot more to her. Yep. She's been taking a lesson from the Wii Fit trainer. <laughs> and, uh, and so in Other M, that really did exemplify that aspect of her that was kind of forgotten with the Prime games. Yeah, and you just can't do that in first-person view. So right. how they handle it was actually really cool. Yeah, and if you think about even in the prime games when they do things that are more like that, they kind of zip to third person for a little bit. You know, like yeah. when in the morph ball and the screw like attack. That. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So I I am just dying for to see that again, and I just hope even if they don't decide to make it, I hope it wasn't just because of the outcry over the character, because that's something that can so easily be, I don't even know if fixed oh, yeah. is the word, but tweaked. Yeah, know, all they had to do was kind of give her a little bit more power, but I know that they were trying to go with the dramatic thing, but I think it came off like she was kind of uh, only powerful because of Adam or something. Yeah. And then, and then too, the whole baby thing, yep. like, yep. her, she just repeated that word too many times, so it became yep. a meme, yep. you know? Yep, yep. But I mean, the the name Other M is a play on the word mother, right? And that's always been been known. So it's kind of cool. And I and the whole concept of her being a quote unquote mother to that baby Metroid from Super Metroid has always been kind of part of the lore. It's been there for a long time. So to explore that, she is a woman after all, and there you know women have motherly instincts in in most right. cases. I mean, so I don't think that I don't think it diminishes her as a woman as a female character. And in fact, it can strengthen her to uh, to emphasize on that correctly, though. 
Yeah. It, it did just come off a little whiny, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but you know, so does baby Mario in, in Yoshi's Island and that could be fixed too. So. Right. Right. Yeah. And the, you know, to me, like I, I do, I love the, the baby Metroid storyline. And to me, you know, I'm not in love with it because it's like motherly or maternal or anything like that. I love it because it's this, you know, super destructive force of the Metroids that then becomes, you know, domesticated and friendly. And like she makes a connection with it, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you think about like the end of Metroid prime, uh, there are so many Metroids out to kill you at that point. And so, to f- I mean, I love the fact that the Metroid could be both a destructive force, like you just said, that wants to pretty much rip you into shreds or mm-hmm. suck the life out of you. But then also, there are some good ones, and not in like a campy way, where like it speaks and it's like, hey, I'm different. Let's go fight. But it's it's completely animalistic, and they can't communicate in any real way. I mean, she the Metroid screams and just cries out. That's all it does. But there is that deep emotional connection that they just understand each other. And in a way, Samus has always been kind of like half human, half creature. I mean, she is in a suit that gives her all these kind of powers. She's always been a blend. And so I love the fact that they kind of combine that. Metroid, the series has a lot more to offer in that Mm storyline, I think, than, than, yeah, than other M kind of made people think. Yeah. Yep. So great. So moving on, um, Oh, and also, I just, I'll just toss this in there. I also wouldn't mind if the next Metroid was 2D. You know, even just depending on what platform it was on, probably 3DS would make the most sense. But I think so. 2D sprite or 2D yeah. like Super Mario 3D Land. I would probably prefer sprites, but I don't think there's a wrong answer in there. I think 3D would be fine as well. But yeah, just I would like seeing an, another M style. I would be cool with that. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's I mean. Even, well, okay, so yeah, so you mean like 3D art in a 2D plane? Either way. Okay. It's fine. I love pixel art. I love sprites. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That'd be cool with me as well, but. Yep. So, alright, so next on my list is, uh, is a series that I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten about. It was never that big to begin with, but Tenchu. Bless you. <laughs> well done. <laughs> That's all I know about Tenchu is. It sounds like a sneeze. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so the Tenchu series, it was a big stealth series when stealth was sort of a trendy genre. Um, and, you know, they had the first three, and they had a spin-off game, uh, all for PS1 and PS2, and I loved them all. And then they had a DS game, which was just god-awful, terrible. No one, not even fans of the series should even should play that game although it does have kind of an interesting story so maybe it would work as like a visual novel but it should not it should not be played as a game unfortunately um and when they revived the series with the tenchu game that came out on the wii uh which was called stealth assassins uh which in japan was called tenchu 4 um when they revived it, they they had a big press conference in Japan, and they were like, you know, we would like to announce Tenchu's 4, 5, and 6 for the Wii. And it was this big thing, fanfare, and they had, like, opera singers and all this stuff. And I was so excited. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the Wii is not really the system that all the hardcore Tenchu fans 
you know, wanted the series to be on. So I don't think the game sold all that well. I think it did okay. I think it was probably in the like four fifty, five hundred thousand units, which is not real good, but it's also, uh, I don't think it's terrible. Um, <clears throat> but a lot of the fans, I think, were just like, no, it's on the Wii. It's not on a console that I consider hardcore enough, so I'm just going to ignore it. And that's what they did. Um, so I think the plans for five and six were just outright canceled at that time. And it really makes me sad because, you know, I, it doesn't need to be on the Wii U exclusively or anything, but I would love it if they would revisit that and just say, okay, you know, if the, if the standard Tenchu fan base needs it to be on a Sony platform or on a Microsoft platform, you know, we can do that too. Um, but just also bring it to the Wii U and continue that series because the trilogy they started with Tenchu 4, you know, really ends on a cliffhanger, that game. Um, huge cliffhanger. So, ah, so now it's all just completely unresolved. And, you know, I like that gameplay anyway, regardless of the cliffhanger story. So I would, you know, I would like to see more of that anyway. Um, so that's, that's my next pick. That's what I would love to see. That's what would make me really excited about the Wii U is if that franchise was able to reemerge, uh, in some way. I'm assuming to, this is obviously not something that you're even familiar with. But no. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, that's why I've said, like, nothing. Yeah, that's okay. So, so it's basically, it's, you know, it's just it's kind of like Metal Gear with uh, with ninjas is is what it comes okay. down to. But um, well, see, I like, just really like the characters. and That's yeah. one of those things where it doesn't necessarily appeal to me. I've never been too into Metal Gear or, I mean, Ninja Gaiden was fun back on the NES, but I've never been that into ninjas in general. Mm. But uh, I can still see exactly where that would be a great game and where it would round out the Wii U's uh, software lineup. Mm -hmm. So I can totally, even though I can't, you know, agree with you in the sense of uh, what I would or wouldn't want in that series or that game, I can completely agree with you that it would be great to have. Yeah. And for all of you Tropes fans out there, this is a series where you can choose whether to play as the male or female protagonist pretty much any time. And in fact, the spin-off game just gave you a choice between two female protagonists. So you're saying you can change genders at any time? Well, it's not really changing genders. Okay, because I'm, I'm going to get real confused if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Uh, so, very good series. And... uh Lastly, I'll just mention, I think, if not myself, other people have mentioned a desire for this in the past, but I would like to see Star Tropics get get brought to life again. Um, and this is a game where I'm not even sure, like, I didn't play the, I didn't play the originals. I mean, I, I played the first Star Tropics. I've probably started that game five or ten times and then been like, and then I get to like the second group of islands or something and then I'm just like, eh, no thanks. Um, but I just think that this is a franchise that when you have the more powerful hardware that we do these days where you could actually like put it in a lush environment that you could, you know, really just explore and get lost in. And, you know, cause I think that's what they were trying to sell you on with the first game was that, you know, it's like the, it's like the Zelda formula, but it's put like in a purely tropical, enjoyable island kind of setting. And so I think that that's something that would really shine with the kind of, you know, what we're capable of with more modern hardware. 
And I think it's just a series that has been gone for so long that I bet they could do so many interesting things with it. Because basically it was, I mean, your character was one that had no real rules. I mean, it was set in that tropical island setting, but it wasn't like, um, what was that other series where you're like a caveman on a skateboard or something? Oh, Adventure Island? Sure, something like that. So you weren't a caveman. I mean, you were just like a kid. I think you were a son of a explorer or the son of a professor or something like that. So you had, you know, modern things like a yo-yo and whatever else. But so, you know, you wouldn't be shackled to, oh, like I have to use like spears and, you know, primitive bone arrow and stuff like that. Like you could get really creative with this environment. Um, and I would love to see that. I know some other people were kind of hoping, like when they were making their list of, of what they think retro might be working on. I remember Star Tropics showed up on just a couple of lists and so I don't think I'm the only one, but, uh, but yeah, I would love to see that. Hmm. Yeah. I've never played the series. Uh, I've wanted to Star Tropics. One of them anyway, I think was on my want list for secret Santa. Cause wasn't one of them, I think on the virtual console could be, uh, I don't really recall, but I'm pretty dang, dame. It was damn and dang together. Pretty dame sure that that it is on there and if it's not then whatever but i've i mean i remember one of my first memories of nintendo power was <laughs> an expose on star tropics yep yep and yep so parrot on the cover mm-hmm. and yeah. uh and just maps and and other things i remember like the crescent islands that might be from star tropics too or something like that do you know what i'm talking about yeah, I don't know. That sounds about probably where I was giving up in the first game. That sounds right. I just think that like one of the games takes place on a, a small collection of islands that are kind of crescent shaped, and mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I've always heard such warmth about this stuff, though. You know, Star mm-hmm. Tropics Two, Zoda's Revenge, and and all these uh, these I don't know. You know, the warmth is true. Whenever I hear people talk about the series, it's always with good praise. So yeah, it looks like both games are available on the Virtual Console. Okay, so I'm not crazy. Yeah. Um, I've heard also some negative aspects about the games, which is probably what kind of kept me from bothering with it, like uh, possibly clunky controls and that sort of thing. But I still find myself very intrigued because I've heard uh, more more good than bad about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think maybe it would be better suited for uh, for. Do you think it will? Forgive me if you already said this, but would you feel it's better suited for the Wii or the 3DS? Um. Jeez. Because uh, I could see this maybe going the route of uh, like a Mega Man type remake where they remake it in the same style but make it better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could update it and that might be an option too, but I feel like updating it in the sense of maybe links, uh, Link to the Past and the new um, Zelda coming out on the 3DS where you kind of just make everything prettier but you don't necessarily have to change the style. Right. Because I can't imagine them making a new Star Tropics just completely with new assets in the sense of like making everything into 3D and just run, running around. Although that would be kind of yeah. cool too. It'd be kind of like lost. Like, what if you had a big island? Yeah, to exactly. Exploit that? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what they should do. So, so I mean, I think, I think the 3DS is powerful enough that you could pull it off. I think though that maybe just because we're talking about rounding out libraries, and I think the Wii U just needs more in terms of you know in that regard. So, so let's put it on the Wii U while we're making up dreams. Sure. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> the more and more I think about it, though, the the more excited I get about that kind of prospect. Yep. So, so is that is that it for your list then? That's my list, Stephen. All right, my well, list. everyone, please stay tuned for the next episode where we feel bad about ourselves for getting our hopes up <laughs> on all these Yay. great ideas and and uh, yep. 
you know, we'll have a big discussion about what we wish we would have changed about this conversation to prevent yep. that from happening. So now I guess we will just move into, I think we have Miyamoto on the line. We're going to bring him in on the call. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, David, just edit in a, uh interview with Miyamoto and put my voice over Bill Trennan. <laughs> that, something like that. That's Although, what we should have done. That's what we should have done. <laughs> Although Bill Bill describes it, uh, you know what Miyamoto says. He translates. Uh, he doesn't really interview, so right. Uh, that was a mis mistake in that in my wording. But uh, all right, episode one hundred. Everyone will have forgotten this by now. <laughs> by episode one hundred, we'll be able to just call it Miyamoto himself because he'll probably be retired. Uh, that's and, true. Uh, Plus, we'll probably be the biggest podcast on the internet by then. So mm -hmm. we'll have that yeah. kind of pull. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, jeez, we'll be uh, we'll be part of the Nintendo Directs. <laughs> anyway, more hopes and dreams. To <laughs> yeah, crushed. yeah, we're yeah. dreaming way too. We're flying too close to the sun right now. Yep. Um, I was always thinking about Buster Bluth. You let him out in the sun, but Arrested Development fans will get that. Yep. Anyway, so uh, this isn't in the in the notes. I did want to mention really quick that as of the recording and as of the listening experience that you're having. The Wii U's, or not the Wii U, I'm sorry, the Wii's, uh, what the hell is it even called? I can't even remember now. The whole um, Wii Connect 24 is gone. Oh, yeah. They pulled yep. the plug. Yep, it's over. Yeah, so you cannot do all sorts of things like the Metroid Prime token functionality or yep. uh, the Mario Kart 8 tournaments, or Mario Kart 8, Mario Kart <laughs> Wii tournaments. You know what? I, I understand. You know, I love the games that are coming, but I do get frustrated that they're so closely named to everything else. Mm -hmm. Super Mario 3D Land slash World, Donkey Kong Country Returns slash Tropical Thunder, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tropical See Freeze. What you did there. Yeah. Um, and then now <laughs> Mario Kart Wii 7, 8. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I've tripped myself up constantly. Then again, Wii and Wii U, I tripped up myself like three times on that. So, Nintendo. Get a little more creative with your naming, please. Mm. Just make it easier. You have to have like a linguistics degree to to talk about gaming in this day and age. True. <sighs> anyway, so yeah, that is over. So hope you were not waiting for that friend token back. Um, you know, me and some other friends tried to uh, tried to get all of our vouchers traded for Metroid Prime and uh, three and trilogy, and we discovered that none of us have any. So, like, it's just really, I think you have to, like, grind to get them. I think there's certain things you can do. Uh, but, like, like your first, I don't know, dozen or whatever it is, like, come pretty easily just going through the game. But then beyond that, like, we'd already used those up. So then we were trying to exchange friend vouchers, and we all got online at the same time. And then we all checked our accounts. And like, oh, I got none. I have none. Oh, I have none. I have one. And, like, that was it. You know, and I think that bodes uh, well for the idea of, like, why can't developers put in a ticking time clock that, and I know that, yeah, well, people change their, I don't know, I guess people could exploit it, but why not put a time clock that says, like, five years after this game's released? You just you, get them. Yeah, everything just unlocks for you. Mm, interesting. And, I mean, don't tell anyone about it. Yeah. Hell, maybe make oh. it a requirement that you have to beat the game first, you know? Mm. So people can't just, like, cheat it that way. They have to actually play, and then no one's going to expect it, and then... <laughs> After the first game does it, well, then everyone will try in the next games. But still, it'd be kind of cool if if there could be some sort of way to do that, which would be really easy, actually. But yeah, uh, I hear you. Because it is frustrating, and just like uh, with Goldeneye, 
there were, or no, no, was it Goldeneye? I forget. Maybe I'm thinking of the Banjo-Kazooie thing, but Banjo-Kazooie had all those, um, you know, unused stop-and-swap things, but eventually it was discovered that there's just all these codes that, that you could use for to, to get to these places and everything. And, I don't know, it'd be kind of cool if the, if that, since that didn't get discovered or whatever, well, that's a bad example, I guess, because it never was mm-hmm. intentionally, uh, intent, or intended to be used after a certain point, so. I don't know, I still stand by what I mean, though. It'd be cool if there was a timer that would just unlock stuff, so you, if you, because I mean, right now, if I boot up my Metroid Prime games, I may not have all the art and everything, but why at this point, you know? Just let me see it. Mm-hmm. But, I hear you. Anyway, I digress. I think we should just wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap. All right, with the DK wrap. Go, Joe. No. No, okay. <laughs> um, we should do a live version of that sometime. I think everyone would love it. Donkey. Donkey. Yeah. yeah. Donkey nope. Kong is here. All right, anyway, that wraps up another episode of the Negative World Podcast. We'd like to hear your comments on what you've heard. Uh, especially, I'd like to hear what everyone else thinks about rounding up their Nintendo library. It's kind of throwing their minds out in the uh, the creative space and seeing what comes up. Um, you can do that by finding the thread associated to the episode on negativeworld.org. And if you don't want to subscribe to Negative World, <laughs> Ninsay will jot down your trees. <laughs> uh, this is the problem with giving Joe access, <laughs> editing access to my notes. <laughs> and I see his cursor floating around, but I don't realize what he's typing or doing. Uh, yep. So anyway, so Ninsage will chop down your trees uh, if you don't want to subscribe to the Negative World Podcast. So I would subscribe. I would really yep. do that. In fact, subscribe to both versions just to, uh, you just know, to be to safe. Cover your ass, yeah. Yep. But um, if for some reason you want your trees chopped down, you can reach us on Facebook. Uh, you just got to search for negativeworld.org, or you can follow us on Twitter at negative underscore world. And as I said, subscribe to the Enhanced Podcast if you would, because it's, uh, it's pretty cool, pretty functional. So thank you, Joe. Thank you to the listeners. Thank and you, Stephen. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for all of your, you know, work, uh, 50 episodes, 50 episodes in. Yeah, although I was uh, pretty MIA uh, earlier on. I, I helped get the thing started uh, with Guy, but after that I let him take the reins because uh, I was very busy with things. And... Just just take the compliment. Okay. Yeah, thanks for... <laughs> I, 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 I'm glad you're acknowledging all the work on all 50 episodes. There you uh, go. But uh, <laughs> thank you. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So until uh, next time, you know, here's to another fifty. Absolutely. Now raise you your uh, raise your champagne glass. Clink, clink. You know, I hope I hope that people get the little the little joke I poked at him in that thread, which is, um, have you noticed how much Anid likes to uh, likes to respond to swap notes that are like eight months old? <laughs> have you I, not- Am I the only one who, who's noticed this? Because I I don't really use swap notes, so I haven't noticed. No, 
Okay. Well, it'll say I'll I'll get a you know I'll log in. It'll say like eight new swap notes, and it'll be like bling 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 bling, and then there'll be one like way back there. I'm like, oh, it's Anand. <laughs> Anand's just getting to February. Yeah. Well, you know, as long anyway. as he's getting there, it's better than me. That's true. That's true. Should I just go first, or do yeah, I sure. go first? Hey, you know what? Real quick. Yeah. Let me give you. We don't even have to record this. <clears throat> Let me give you my two backup box art clues. Are you ready? Yes. All right. We have these. These are separate games. It's okay. I'll try to guess these though. Yeah. Yep. We have a painter, a penguin, a star, and some crystals. Oh, Kirby sixty four and the crystal shards. Nailed it. Why do I know that? <laughs> Actually, I, I think I did see that recently, but um, the star was pretty obvious. And then, uh, yeah. but the painter, yeah, there's like a weird painter chick on there, right? Yeah. Well, it's it, he's the boy. The girl is uh, like a fairy or something. But yeah. Mm. Oh, it's a wait. The painter's a boy. Oh, I well, I haven't played the game. I'm just looking at the. I think it's a boy based on this picture. Clearly, I have issues defining gender. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and then here I'm, I'm saying chick. I'm not trying to be derogatory. That's just a general <laughs> term. I don't um, mean it any other way than just generic. But uh, but yeah, I apparently can't tell Prince from a Prince. You know, what? Uh, the musician. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Who has also been kind of ambiguous in the past. But uh, anyway, bad jokes aside. Okay, so I nailed that All one right. right away. What's the second one? All right, you got one more. Uh, you got an owl. A duck, a dog, and a mailbox. <laughs> yeah, because they hang out with mailboxes. That's just natural progression. So, a duck, a dog, an owl, and a mailbox? Mm-hmm. Is this the original Animal Crossing or something? It is! All right. I See, oh, those should have been in the actual podcast. <laughs> well, I thought it would be too obvious or something. I know, but you brought such warmth to my heart. I want to see it now because I don't remember exactly how it's laid out, but that was the only possible now, what, option I could think of. What made you say the original Animal Crossing? Because it is, but well, I know that Wild World is like shows a globe to show the effect of that. City Folk, I don't remember at all, so it could have been that. But okay. uh, you said a dog. I don't know if that yep. was KK Slider or not. I don't think so. So it's just a dog character, but then the owl—that's got to be Blathers. Yep. Yeah. So Blathers, a dog, and then a duck. Duck's kind of off in the background. He's got, he might have like a like a jersey on or something, mm. like a blue shirt that might have a number one on it. But it might, it's he's so far in the background. I yeah. Can't really. And then I, I just remember the originals being uh, so minimalist, kind of, mm. not necessarily like a total minimalist way, but just like not nearly as busy as the rest. And so right. mailbox was like back then, especially mail was a key, the key way that you shared things with people. Even yep. if you wanted to give an item to your friend in another who has another system and game and is in a new city or whatever, uh, like literally a, a different city, you would uh, send it in your game and it would give you a code, kind of like the Zelda codes that you transfer your system with. You give that code to your friend and then they can then download the item. Yep. So it was totally awesome, but it used mail. So it's kind of funny that like you know nowadays when we use the internet, it's just sending codes, but then you know just like in that time, it would be like the same exact system, but you are the delivery service for sure. the codes. Yeah. Well, and that was actually really exploitable too back in the day because 
once there was a, actually a code generator that was made because people are freaking amazing. There was a code generator you could have online to where you could type in, put in the item you wanted, and uh, as long as you had your town name and your character name exact, it would generate the correct code to use to go get that as if someone sent it to you. Interesting. Yeah, so you could get any item you wanted at any time at that point. That's funny. And it kind of breaks the game in that way, but because back then it was so hard to get everything you wanted, it actually kind of helped the game. It made it more fun. Mm. So, totally awesome. <laughs> 